Chefshop podcast is back, ladies and gentlemen. I know you missed it. They were crying in the streets. They were saying, where are they? Where are they? Well, we're here. Don't worry. Don't worry. I know we had a week off, and before that, there was only two of us. But the whole team is back. The boys, you might even say, are back in town this week, as a wise man once said. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Barry, joined as ever by my ever-dependable co-host, first of all, Mr. Paul Griffin. On a full night's sleep. Uh-huh. Oh, showing off, showing off. He's proud of himself. Uh, also with us, uh, not at all on a full night's sleep. Uh, back from ye old Meriki, it's one Mr. Joe Towner. Oh, he's back, baby, and he's had one hour sleep on a plane, sitting bolt upright. Oh, <laughs> lovely! Resting your head against one of them little flappy things that they have, where you go like. Oh. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. The f- the first time I returned from America, this was seven years ago. I, you know, the flight sort of afternoon, and I slept. I remember I slept about six hours and woke up just as the plane was landing. And I was like, oh, marvelous! It will be like this every time from now on. <laughs> uh, and since then, in the seven years since, I think I've probably slept less combined than that first flight. <laughs> It's just impossible. I'll be honest, lads. It's uh, it's business class or bust from now on. I, I don't care. Mm. I, mean, I, I don't care. I'll just five grand. I don't care. I, just, <laughs> I cannot try and sleep <laughs> sitting upright. I, I must say, not, not quite the same. But when I was living in France on the trains, I'm sure it's the same in England. They have the they have the oik class, and then they have first class. Yeah. And in first class, no phones allowed. So when I used to do my little. <laughs> airport to the town where i lived travel sometimes if i had the, the little bit of extra money in the pocket it was first class of course and the chairs are bigger as well oh lovely yeah, and there's no riffraff just sling it all in the back yeah we don't have first class as far as i'm aware in ireland but that's more speaks more to us as a nation i think than, <laughs> than anything uh yeah so i'm back i'm back from two Woo. Two lovely weeks in America. It was, uh, I'll give you the, the, the cliff notes. It was hot, uh, which is hot and sunny. Lovely. Which was nice after three, what, three or four months of grey, cold um, weather that we, we usually get in these islands uh, after Christmas. So that was nice. Um, and of course, like um, any good kind of British and probably Irish person as well, when it is sunny... What do you do? You have to make the most of it. You know what I mean? You, if it's a sunny, you can't sit indoors. You have to go and sit outside in the weather. I thought so you were going to say, what do you do? Complain about it. Well, also, <laughs> complain about it. But, not, but like, you know, really it's sunny, you, you go outside. You go, I'm going to sit indoors. But, of course, everyone no. there thought I was absolutely mental because I'm there, like, pasty, pasty white man, like, <laughs> sitting outside in 90-degree heat, you know, 35 celsius every day because you've got to make the most of it while it's sunny despite the fact that they have 300 days of you know sunshine a year um but yeah it was it was very nice to to enjoy the warmth so that was good um some new food uh tested out Ooh. Uh, i got a popeyes <gasps> lads louisiana fast louisiana fast chicken uh of course we all remember the popeyes from the uh staying up to watch monday night raw on, yes. What was the Justin.tv? Was it? That yes. Was what used, yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. Happier times. 
Oh, wonderful times <laughs> when Raw was still two hours, I think. Yeah, and watchable. Um, and vaguely watchable, yeah. So the Popeyes, I finally got to try it. Of course, as I mentioned a, a while ago, there is one now in the UK, but it's mobbed you know, on a daily basis. Yes. 300 yeah. people. Um, not, of course, the case in America. I got a little Uber Eats and it was there in 20 minutes. Um, free delivery. Not bad. Uh, had a little chicken sandwich, hot chicken sandwich. And also some little chicken nuggets. And I thought it was very good. It was very good. Um, the nuggets were like proper chicken, not like okay. McDonald's nuggets. It was like a it was like a bit of chicken dipped in the breadcrumbs and fried. It Beautiful. wasn't like a minced chickens yeah. arsehole, yeah. you know, with some best All right, chicken. Jamie Oliver, let's not have a pop at Mc, uh, McNuggets, okay? Yeah, I mean, it, I if, didn't if like a McNugget, to... but to be fair... No, McNuggets are bad. I'm sorry. What is this? What is this? Absolute bog standard chicken. Listen, we can't have this conversation in this segment of the show where we celebrate American culture and slander McNuggets, okay? No one there eats McDonald's anymore. They're going to Popeyes. They're going to In-N-Out. Did go to In-N-Out, of course, which is very nice. And um, also, for the first time, tried Carl's Jr. Oh, Uh, okay. One of the many burger chains they have there. So, um... This was this was very tasty. I had a kind of it was like a onion ring barbecue burger, uh, mm. which I always enjoy. You got that crispy onion ring sort of layer in mm. there. Um, quite nice, quite nice chips. Sort of skin on skin on fries. They did. Yeah. That was very nice. Uh, I got the large meal, and the man presented me with a beverage receptacle that was so large. <laughs> I, I didn't know whether to fill it with Coke or to have a bath in it. Honestly, um, <laughs> it, it was probably about a liter of, of coke. So yeah, I had I had one of those. That was nice. And yeah, the burger was very good. I would say they're probably on a par with like a Burger King. Um, which okay. means, you know, I do like a Burger King, not just yeah. knocking Burger King. I've also been to Whataburger, which is is a Texas chain and kind of similar. You know, it's a a very good quality burger. Um, fries are kind of what you'd expect. You probably couldn't mm-hmm. really tell the difference between the different chains, but all kind of very good. So whereas like McDonald's kind of tastes like a McDonald's, it doesn't really taste like the other chains. And In-N-Out is different because it's very kind of fresh and, you know, simple menu, fresh ingredients. I'd say all of those are kind of, yeah, good standard. If you like a Burger King, you probably wouldn't go wrong with a, with a Carl's. Okay. So um, that's the food review, the weather review. Uh, and in terms of the sites, I... When we were in Texas, Michelle was like, oh, you know, there's a nice kind of tourist attraction a lot of people go to um, near where her mum lives, which is uh, El Paso, which is in the the uh, west of Texas. I was like, cool, sounds great, let's go. Didn't really know what it was. She said it was called the Carlsbad Caverns. And I said, oh, that sounds okay. interesting. I, I'll be honest, I didn't really know what a cavern was. I thought it was like a big cave <laughs> or something, yeah. you know, like a cave. Was it a cave? Yeah, That's yeah. my guess, yeah. So we went there, and it's <laughs> it's something like four thousand feet uh, underground. This cavern—that's <laughs> how nice. deep it goes. Like, well, like, and you can walk it. It's all been kind of um, excavated, like as a tourist uh, extract um, tourist site. So you can kind of get down there. It's not like you're—I'm not going spelunking with ropes, right? Uh, you know, right. like it's a tourist attraction. You can walk down there. It's all kind of roped off, and there's a path and everything. But yeah, it probably took ninety minutes just to kind of get down to the actual like bottom of the cavern. And then from there, essentially, it's this really kind of weird place with stalag- 
I always forget which one's which, but stalactites and stalagmites, which is like yeah. long rock things that yeah. go up and down. Here's uh, how you remember which one's which. Stalactite, you better hold on tight. Stalagmite might poke you in the ass. Oh. Okay, or or T for top is another good one. Um, like, <laughs> I like one from there. I got ties. What? <laughs> Hold on tight. Oh god. Oh, that's what the <laughs> fuck? What the fuck? Oh, god. Yeah, like tights. Tight, tight to the ones that fall on you in every video game that has a cave level. Yes. 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 That's true. Um, yeah. So it was. It was crazy. I was not expecting it to be to be what it was. It's a UNESCO like World Heritage uh, site. It's actually in New Mexico as well. I didn't actually know we were going to leave the state. I thought it was in Texas. Oh, okay. Suddenly we started heading towards the border, and I was like, "Well, if they ask, <laughs> if I got in my poor American, I'll just uh, do my best American accent and say, which is great. Sure. Yeah. No problem. Um, <laughs> that's good. So I did. Yeah. So I did actually visit three. <laughs> <laughs> Three states. Wallace from Wallace and Grubbins. Cheese, <laughs> <laughs> uh, border guard. Jeez. Um, so that was really good. Yeah, and it's got, oh, it's really kind of weird. There's all these gnarly kind of rock formations and uh, pools of, of minerals that are gathered and stuff. And there's mm. kind of ones that are still being formed. So you can kind of see the minerals like dripping down that will gradually kind of form new stalactites or stalagmites. So. Yeah, really, really cool. And I'm now into caverns. I'm going to look out. <laughs> I'm going to find some in the UK. I don't think we've got any that, that deep, to be honest. But Listen, the UK has some caves. I know that for a fact. You will have no shortage of caves to go to um, <laughs> uh, on your weekend. It's caves. So, um, yeah, that was, that was very, very good. Um, the other thing, I, I, I'm going to give you... Two quick other updates, and I'm going to talk about AEW very briefly as well. Oh, okay. um, I discovered in America a wonderful, wonderful um, item, which I'm going to show to you now. The chocolate Cadbury's cream egg. Okay. So this is a cream egg, right. but the inside cream is chocolate. What? Okay. Can you believe it? I saw this, and I was like... Well, I've never even dreamt of such a delicacy in, in my life. This was fabulous. Because, of course, over here, we just have the horrible, disgusting, gelatinous egg <laughs> shit in the middle of it. Yeah, it's what looks like an egg, but just made of pure sugar. Made of, yeah, terrible yeah. pure sugar. Um, so this is, a yeah, chocolate chrono cream egg. I've had wow. a couple already, so I brought a few back with me. But, yeah, I'm going to eat this during the show. But Beautiful. Yeah, pretty tasty, I, I have to say. I've... I, Hope they kind of make their way over here. I'm surprised they haven't, alongside the, you know, the caramel egg and the Reese's and the Oreo mm. and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, very, 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 very good. Um, also, I'll tell you what's really expensive in America: deodorant. Right? Oh, <laughs> okay. How much? How much would you lads pay for a can of deodorant in Ireland? Give us the give us the euros. I would uh, say what three euro, three fifty. Yeah, for your your mainline brands, your sure, your yeah, your Nivea for men, three 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 quid thereabouts, one fifty if you want to go Tesco own. Three euros, okay. So, yeah, so sort of two two pound to three pound is what I would normally pay for a, for a can. You know, yeah. ideally they're on special offer. In America, in Walmart, so not an expensive, you know, this wasn't a luxury yeah. supermarket. Your bog standard kind of Asda style supermarket. I paid. Eight ninety nine for a can of deal. What? <laughs> wow. What? Nine dollars. Wow. I now I'm gonna have to. Like, 
Every time I see Americans arguing about smelly wrestling fans, I'm going to say, excuse you, that's classist, okay? That's 10 quid that they might have. That's called inflation, brother. That's called inflation. That's that's outrageous. Oh, my God. This was was all of the... I was looking through every single can. I was looking for, like, the Mm. own brand, the Walmart own brand. But the cheapest was maybe it was, like, $7 was the... The absolute cheapest. Jesus. I was like, what is this recent? Is this the cost of living? The war in Ukraine? Is that where the deodorant comes from? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If, if our American listeners could let us know how much were you, were you paying for deodorant kind of historically? Was it that kind of price? Because I was like, what the fuck? Wow. I, didn't come, I didn't come here to like, you know, make an investment in fucking deodorant, but I did. I needed it. All right. Well, my first question is that I'm I'm a a roll-on, man. Oh, look yeah. at this guy. I don't. I don't use the spray. Is that like an option over there, or is that con- similarly expensive? Yeah, that was also pretty expensive. I can't. I can't quite remember if it was the same price, but yeah, it wasn't any. I would have got that if it had been like three ninety nine. I would have got a roll-on. But I mean, that might be why you hear, you know, Brian Danielson like using like rubbing crystals under their arms. <laughs> Just because how expensive it is. Ah, it's mad. Maybe. It is mental. So, uh, yeah, that was the trip to America. And as, as I mentioned, a couple of AEW notes. And, I, and unfortunately, AEW disappointments. Oh. Because it was only, I you know, I was like, oh, obviously they haven't been to Los Angeles yet. They're going to be there in May, I think, for the, the debut show. So I yes. knew that we wouldn't be able to, like, get a show in LA because we weren't going to be there at the right time. What I forgot to do was to check whether they were going to be in Texas. Oh, and they were. And they were. Oh, and I, no. I only remembered when we were on the flight to El Paso, which was heading to its final destination of San Antonio. Oh, and I just thought, oh, my God, if I had remembered, I could have, we could have just booked the flight to San Antonio, stayed there for the night, saw the show, flown to, gone to El Paso. Dang. And it's, the thing is with Texas, it's, fucking enormous basically so to yeah. get to el paso to san antonio is like going from bloody glasgow to paris or something i don't know right. really even, I think. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. It, it, i think it was like an eight hour drive or something oh crazy um so yeah unfortunately couldn't make that the other disappointment um i was really keen to get some aew trading cards they've launched oh yes uh, yeah of course um, I was like, well, well, I'll be over there. I'll pop into your Walmart, your Target, Hobby Lobby, one of these sort of places. Mm. Not a card to be seen. Oh. You can't get them anywhere. They are all sold out. And when you look online, you know, people are selling them on Amazon and eBay. Oh. Five, $5 a card, you know, and they cost like $20 for the box. Oh, you know, little little Walmart greeter coming up to Joe. We've got lots of WWE top trumps. <laughs> oh, like, you want these? Get shit out of my sight. Uh, I wouldn't wipe uh, my arse with it. I I get out of here. Um, so that was a big disappointment because I thought, oh, yeah, easily pick up some trading cards. But I guess they... they that's the kind of thing now people buy them up, sell them online. Like so I, I don't want to, I didn't want to buy that. I'm not interested in getting cars to speculate. I just thought it'd be fun. No, no. Yeah. You yeah. wanted them to have them. You are of, you are of a football sticker culture. You I know. know. You just, I remember you wanted the, them the, to the have them. And the, yeah. Back in the day when you, it was about the fun. It was about, about, it was about the art. It was about it was about that's, 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 it's a shame that that is, that is now literally everything. Anything yeah. that is remotely cool, is immediately bought up and retold. I was just saying to Paul before we went off air that there's still a CEX in town selling PS5s for 850 quids. Um, because you're not allowed to just have anything anymore. Everything has to be speculative. And well, I have in 
I carry around with me in my wallet. They're not worth anything yet. But yes, I'm, I'm holding on to them until such a time at which even shit quality version ones. Like these are not mint on card right now. They're they're not in good quality at all. But I've I've two real Oops, bring them over here. Japanese Pokemon cards. Ooh. Wow. It's, it's a Raichu and a Quillfish. Very yeah. nice. The other back on them. Because um, when we were in Italy on holidays once, there was a place that sold Japanese Pokemon cards. And I only have two left of them. So I just keep them in my wallet. Mm. I think I could get like a tenner for the two of them now. But hold on to them for another 50 years to put my kids through college. The Pokemon, the Pokemon thing is so interesting, though, because obviously like the Paul brothers and stuff, they are all like... It, it kind they, of res- came into resurgence. They yeah. came into resurgence with them. But it's just, it must purely just be because of, because we're in that culture of them being so speculative. Because Pokemon cards must be the most mass-produced fucking thing that's not actually rare um uh ever especially as it's like it's like in terms of sheer dollar value it is the most valuable brand in the world i'm pretty sure um but anyway i digress that's that's a disappointing joke that was a shame that was a shame yeah but um that was that was my trip to america overall very good overall very good apart from the flying and the aw disappointments that's it very good trip well they'll they'll come over to england soon enough i'm sure that they'll always be next time as well that's true um so that, any other life golf updates? Are you? I suppose you're just back in the door. So I suppose that is everything. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. Now I'm going to eat this egg. Beautiful. Oh. Enjoy. <laughs> he's talking into it. He's loving it. <laughs> it is. It, it's brown on the inside. Oh, it does sure. look really good. It does look really good. Um, Paul. Yes. What have you been up to in the week? That's the question. Other than watching two Oscar movies. Yeah. Well, no, I didn't watch ten million. I watched like seven Oscar movies. Yeah, it's a million. Uh, <laughs> the length of them, some of them buried, felt like a video. Um, well, the weather's been lovely, first of all. So I did a lot of walking in the park and the like. Uh, I did venture into Dublin city centre yesterday because we stayed over the weekend with Natty's parents in Dublin. And uh, that was lovely. But, you know, I'm, I'm the kind of man that can't go near a toy store and come home without some Lego. <laughs> okay. that's me now like ever since i got that first x-wing i just need lego lego keeps me going um so i bought two lego sets because they're on sale um also knowing the fact that natty and the family were going to be having a little drink of wine and that later i said well i need something to do do while everyone's having fun and chatting. I'll build some Lego. <laughs> God. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> um. No, but in like an endearing. Oh, isn't he a fun Lego building? <laughs> yeah, that's what they were saying. Right. All the girls were going, "Isn't he a cool fucking guy?" <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, did my ovaries just twitch? <laughs> is, that a, is that an X-Wing I see? Oh, Lord. Oh, no. Um, Careful, that says over 15s on that one. Oh, my God. Are you up for that? <laughs> mm, sir. Uh, so I got um, I got TIE Fighter. Okay. Off the Star Wars. And I, I got uh, Boba Fett's ship. Mm. Slave Content- 
well, it's not called that anymore, Barry. Come on. Is it really not called that anymore? No, it's called his <laughs> Fire something. I don't remember. Um, fun, fun to build. I will say that much. And it comes with a little, not Han Solo, but a little uh, pig guard in carbonite they put into the ship a little block oh cool okay that's that pretty cool more importantly the two year wait is over i returned for the first time since pre-pandemic to bun sun ah glorious nature's eater yeah it's <sighs> real fucking good yeah it's real fucking good they haven't lost it then they haven't. Um, they did repaint the place, though, so I got confused when I arrived and thought, <laughs> thought it had closed out and was gone. Because um, I went to the one Temple Bar. I don't know if you've been to the Temple Bar one. I have, yeah. Um, so I, I haven't been two years, so I'm looking for the kind of stony, blue-gray exterior, mm. the big B sign. And the shop that had that colors was, like, closed down. I was like, oh, it's not here anymore. No, it was. <laughs> I was looking at the wrong shop. It was right next to it, but they painted it, like, green now instead. Uh, which I wasn't expecting. Um, also, not as busy. I don't know if there's there's been a slight come down in, uh, like, obviously Dublin was crazy for burger places a few years yeah. ago. Yeah. I wonder if that's cooled off a bit as more and more places have come out and, and of different styles, chicken places. Well, that's just it. I mean, it's a, Korean, it's a, it is a great place to eat. There's there's a million there's a million great eateries in Dublin, to be fair. Yeah. Um, um, it was very good. Now, the funny thing is, Having become so accustomed to Five Guys, the question now became: Does Bunsen still have <laughs> what it takes to win the big yeah, one? Exactly. Um, so, on reflection, on reflection, in the big uh, Godzilla versus Kong of the burger world, I think I think Bunsen has the better burger, but I think Five Guys you get the better overall package. Fair. I think that's very I was, fair. I was I was pretty disappointed with the Bunsen fries. I got to say, yeah. They which ty- which type do you go for? I got one of each of the string ones and the hand cut ones. What? Oh my god. It was the first time in two years. I wanted to test out, you know, Just I don't remember which ones were nice. Potato ones thrown in as well. Why not? There's only three types. Get it the third one. the first time you had fries in two years. Yes. <laughs> It's like, oh, garçon, what what shoes? You can't eat a shoestring. Oh, it's what? Oh, oh, oh okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah, they weren't, they weren't great, to be honest. I wish I hadn't got to, to be honest. Okay. Um, <laughs> they still do that thing where they give you a little can of Coke. Okay. Which, which I've never liked when you go to an establishment to get a little can. No. At least give me a dispenser. Bottle. I want a dispenser. Yeah. Well, yeah, but at least like a 500 ml bottle. Mm. Yeah, well, they never give bottles. It's always cans. I, I know. Find. Like, what, what's going on? But easier to stock, I suppose. I've just paid and, and three also, quid. Similar, <laughs> similar to, to, to their our, our, um, deodorant conversation. Like if fizzy drinks when you're out in a in a restaurant, they're always extortionate anyway. But when I'm when you're you're plopping down like something some fucking stupid amount of money, like three eighty for a coke, and then it arrives and it's a can. I'm like, you bastards! What is this? I'd rather literally, fucking drink my own piss. Literally, still got the sticker from the sweet shop next door. Yeah, right? yeah multi <laughs> sell separately. Yeah, love that. Love that. Always love the multi pack. Don't sell separately. One of my one of my uh, favorite uh, like. 
dive bar establishments that has yet to reopen in Limerick because of the the pandemic. The owner's quite old, but um, the, their upstairs bar was literally just multi pack cans being sold out of the fridge. It was just so good. Had a big old markup. Yeah. And uh, that's pretty much it for me. I bought a little Mario Kart light in the background there. You obviously can't see it. Uh, that's all the tat that I've got this week. <laughs> um, on on food golf before I I, I, I drop into to the rest of life golf. I did a couple a uh, couple weeks ago. Um, uh, last week, sorry, just last week, I went to um, uh, one of my f- favorite pizza places in town. I had a friend visiting from out of town, himself and his girlfriend. We went and we got pizza. It was quite lovely. But for the first time ever in my life, I got a dessert pizza afterwards. Oh. Which I always thought looked quite disgusting. Um, right. I just couldn't, I couldn't make the connection in my head of like chocolate and cream and shit on a pizza base. I was just like, that, that just gives me the ache for some reason. But they, the, the, they wanted it, and I said, yeah, I'll go in on it. I guess we'll, you know, I'll give it a go. And I have to say, it was quite delicious. It was quite delicious. Uh, proper like this is a very kind of posh kind of pizza place you know one of these like expensive uh, is the word um I, I think i'm looking for um uh where they do kind of you know fancy pants pizza and so it was really good quality dough and then a layer of nutella instead of like marinara sauce or whatever and then strawberries right. on top of that Ooh, baby it was really good it was really really good so uh i'm 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 a, I'm a lover of the of, of the sweet pizza now um, I still wouldn't. I wouldn't take a chance on one of the frozen ones. Like Goodfellas do a sweet pizza that you can buy in like the freezer section mm. of Tesco. I'm not sure if I'd be taking a punt on that, but um, but uh, anyway, that was uh, either Tuesday or Wednesday before St. Patrick's Day. Uh, Patrick's Day, of course, uh, in this country, the the glorious uh, um, free Republic of Ireland, uh, is a bank holiday. Uh, and this year they were also, it was a Thursday, and this year they were also giving us Friday as a bank holiday as well. It's some kind of like post-COVID commemorative holiday that I think next year it's going to be in February, but this year they were like, we'll just give you the four-day weekend, Thursday, Friday, and then the weekend. Go mad, lads, right? Great stuff. So uh, so I was getting ready on Wednesday, uh, uh, finishing up work, getting ready to log off for the four-day weekend. And I was starting to feel a little bit unwell. Um, so, so myself and Brona, we did we did our COVID tests. They were negative, thankfully. Um, but we were still feeling quite terrible, quite terrible. I, I don't really know what the what the issue was. So Thursday rolled around. We had no work. The two of us, we were going to go meet Brona's friends, and we, we were planning to do like a boozy brunch. So we we're going to do brunch. And Prosecco, and then we got cans for afterwards. It was like, we're going to have a great time over at this place. And the two of us went, and I feel like, I, at least for myself anyway, personally, I feel like I was sort of just sort of shivering through it for the entire, like, sort of five or six hours we were hanging out. And then when it came time to, uh, to say, okay, well, we head into, head into town and enjoy the St. Patrick's Day festivities, we, we went home, and I proceeded to just sort of lay on the couch and uh, shiver for the remainder of the night. Uh all of Friday was the exact same. Uh, it was all sort of bed and or couch bound with the shakes and the sniffles and the coughs and the poops on occasion. Uh, so that was wonderful. Uh, and then on Saturday, because we were still both feeling quite uh, run down, we, we did more tests. I was still fine. But then Bruno had the old COVID. So uh, so our, our long weekend was basically spent uh, uh, turning this, this apartment into a sort of small uh, a hospital ward. 
you know, uh, one last time, lads, one last hurrah uh, before we forget about COVID for the rest of our lives. Um, yeah. It was extremely annoying. It was extremely annoying because a four-day weekend is uh, is so hard to come by. But, uh, yeah, and I was really feeling my age as well. I was like, I was just not able to, to rally through and say, ah, whatever, look, you know, a bit of a cold. Let's let's keep going. But I was just like, no, I was completely wiped out. Um, so, yeah. So then and then the following week after that, the week just gone, uh, you know, Brona was like bed bound and had to isolate and stuff like that, uh, um, uh, which was which was uh, tough for her as well. So not too much going on in the old life guff here uh, uh, this week, other than I had a chocolate pizza, um, uh, which as, as highlights go is pretty good, you know, Um so uh, yeah, so that was that. Uh, that was life guff for me. Uh, we'll segue in here to the music guff. Uh, I did, uh, as previously discussed with Paul, I did listen to that new Ghost album that he was talking about the last time we did a show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked it. I liked it. I think I, I, I kind of would have similar thoughts to you. There was something I couldn't quite put my finger on. That was. Um, it almost sounded a little hair bandy uh, Very. Yeah. at points that it, 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 in a way that was odd. And, and I, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. It was just a different kind of vibe, uh, you know, uh, but I liked it. I, I thought it was pretty good. I think, I think it was, you know, of their standard, even if it was probably on the, the sort of lower end of, of their albums, but I enjoyed it. I, I did think it was good. Um, and I, I do like Ghost. Um, so yeah, I, I pretty much just echo your sentiments there from the other week. Uh, what about yourself? What have you been listening to this week? Uh, still listen to that album a bit. Still listen to the Stromae album, which I also enjoyed a lot. Um, I think I'm coming around to Impera a bit more the more I listen to it. It is still very different. And some of the songs I've just written off. Some of them I just... I'm, I'm, I'm not going to come around on. Um, but the ones that I like, I'm coming around to like quite a bit. Um, two more new albums. So I'm one, I'm one ahead of schedule because I listened to two the last week we did Barry's Stromae and Ghost, mm. and now I've listened to two this this time. Uh, I listened to the new Benny the Butcher album, Tana Talk Four, which is a sequel of sorts to Tana Talk Three, which you put out a few years ago. Uh, very good, very good. Um, kind of a laid back, more of a laid back sound to a rap mm. album. Still, still a lot of like. Um, aggression and stuff you expect with a, a a rapper who hasn't quite hit the heights of the mainstream, who's still got a bit of a chip on his shoulder. He's a little bit older now. I'm not sure if Benny the Butcher. Let me just check his age to be sure. But I would believe he would be, yeah, 37. So he's he's uh, he's not a young up and cover anymore. Um, very very listenable. Very very good. Great instrumentation, which is is key in a rap record for me. Uh, I think when it comes to rap, number one is the instrument uh, instrumental, and number two, lyrical content. Are the lyrics any good? Um, so this one for me was was a hit. Um, in particular, there's a let me just get the name of it. Um, there's like a sequel of sorts to uh, the Ten Rap Commandments. Uh, <laughs> this album doesn't even have a damn Wikipedia page that I can find <laughs> off the, uh, offhand. Uh, let me just get a track list if I can. Uh, so it's uh, 10 More Commandments featuring Sean Diddy Combs. That's the one you want to check out if you want to get a, an idea of the kind of sound. That was my favorite track on the album, but it's very, very good. Benny the Butcher, I think, if you're not listening to him already and you're a, a fan of 
that kind of uh, East East Coast rap from a, a generation ago, let's call it. I think he's a very good repre- representative of that. Then I listened for some reason. I don't know, just my brain short circuited for a second. I listened to the new Machine Gun Kelly album. Why would you mainstream sellout? Do that. Is this his emo album? It's his second pop punk album. Oh god. Were you incapacitated on the floor and it just (laughs) three tracks in, yes. (laughs) Um This is the thing with Machine Gun Kelly, right? Is I don't know that I would necessarily... I certainly wouldn't consider myself a fan of him. No. But there's been bits and pieces that I haven't... You know, that I've that I've liked. I liked the... Um, I've liked some of his songs. Uh, his hip-hop songs, I will say. Hip-hop, yeah. I'm talking about specifically. Uh, Rap Devil, for example. Hmm. The, the, where he had the little spit with Eminem. Uh, I like that. I liked kind of the, the... Even though the lyrics were a little bit uh, like less clever than what Eminem would come back at him with... Uh, it still had a good like swagger to it, a good uh, energy to it. Let's say. Now he's pivoted into um, pop punk. It's like the album, just to you know, put it out there, sounds very like they just took a Blink One Eighty Two album that never got put out, and they're like, "All right, off you go, Sh- stick some vocals on that, and we're away." And Travis Barker, I believe, I don't know if he produced the album, but he was involved somehow. Mm. Um, the problem though is that Machine Gun Kelly now is thirty one. And he has no, you know, pop punk isn't the genre that I'm I'm necessarily that into anyway. But I, I, I'm not against it. I, I quite like um, Legends of the WWE video game Zebrahead. I quite like a, a, some of the stuff they put out. But their their type of pop punk is very energy driven and very very high energy. Yeah. Whereas here he's trying to transitioning from kind of low energy hip hop to low energy delivery of his vocals in pop punk yeah. so not only is there no lyrical content to the songs let me just bring up an example here the last track on the album i, I thought was very funny um <laughs> twin i forget what the fuck it's called twin something twin flame i want to just read out some of the lyrics here of this track because not that it comes off as like bare minimum in terms of like he's trying, I'm sure he is trying. It's just that none of the songs have like an edge to them. They're very edgeless. Um, I mean, the album is in essence a circle with how, you know, it's got no edge to it. Um, so the chorus goes, you're too good for me. I'm too bad to keep. I'm too sad, lonely. I want you only. So this is keep in mind. This isn't twenty year old up and coming pop punk uh, starlets. This is a man on his sixth album who's like married to Megan, Megan Fox. Fox like. yeah. Um, and here's one of the, I'm going to give it a special award out here. I don't normally give out. Oh no, it's uh, it's the worst lyric of the millennium. Oh, wait, this one, last one. Uh, yeah, of the last twenty-two years. So this is the worst lyric I've heard ready. since. The, yeah. Wow, I, it's it's going to be uh, tough to beat. I think. Yeah. I'll give you the 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 lines in the lead up, and then I'll hit you with the big one. <laughs> this is verse verse two of Twin Flame by Machine Gun Kelly. Okay. A, I got six ways to say that I fell in love with you at first sight. I wish I could frame the way you look at me with those eyes. Mm. Freeze mm. time, baby. Rewind. Maybe mm. ask you earlier, be mine. Beautiful. Ready for, are you ready now? Mm. C, 
I didn't understand deja vu till I met you. <laughs> has he never seen The Matrix? <laughs> no, but I think Machine Kelly has. So he met her before. Is that what you're saying? I don't know, Joe. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> he didn't. Yeah. Anyway. I don't even know that it's like a, a horrible pop punk album. It just seems very, very run of the mill. I wish he gave the same energy to the album as he does when Eminem Eminem has a one line go at him in in a shit album in 2017 or whatever. Yeah, it's just so. It's do you know what it's like? And this is this is uh, maybe harsh to, but it's like an Avril Lavigne album. Is what it sounds like to me. Yeah, um, it's 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 really uncool. It also has. I'm not. I don't remember exactly which track it's on, but uh, let's see if I can get. There's like a spoken word bit in it where he says uh, something like, uh, "Don't go to school. They're trying to make you a robot. No, the teachers are bad." <laughs> and again, it's like, you know, you're not that age, dude. And weirdly, it 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 seems very aimed at. You're like 13, 14 year olds, right? Based on that messaging, certainly, and and the. I wish I could frame the way you looked at me that one day or whatever lyrics like that. But then it's got stuff like, um, uh, I, I can't front. My girlfriend's got a blunt in her purse. <laughs> and it's, you know, it, it, please it, it, never it, front about that machine gun Kelly. Never. Certainly. No, no, no. So I'm going to give machine gun Kelly, uh, a thumbs down. You'll be shocked here. Good. Uh, so there's the two albums of the week. I also listened to two old albums. Go on. I don't know if you've heard of uh, We Are Scientists. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are an American rock duo now, formerly a trio. Uh, just revisited some of their albums from the early 2000s, to more so mid-2000s that I really enjoyed, uh, with Love and Squalor and Brain Thrust Mastery. Uh, second one in particular is really good. Um, if you haven't heard We Are Scientists before, they're like... Block Party mixed with Interpol, which, uh, you know, I really like Block Party. I really like Interpol. Yeah. So that, that takes the box for me. Um, Very uh, kind of like Block Party, very like staccato um, guitar riffs. Very cool uh, production on, on the guitar sounds. Good, catchy, electronic uh, sounds added on top of that. Very, very good. Brain Thrust Mastery, and especially uh, Chick Lit, is uh, just chef's kiss for that kind of uh, indie rock of its era. Great, great stuff. And then finally, the singles of the week. So Arcade Fire, who have an upcoming album, uh, put out a single, uh, Lightning 1 and 2, going back to their their heyday where they used to have tracks numbered like that. Uh, And it's fucking great. It's really, really a, a, an arcade fire throwback to their their heyday. Um, rare, very, was very, very impressed by that. So, I, if if anyone is into arcade fire, I would, and you haven't heard those singles, I definitely give it a, a big recommendation. And I'm very much anticipating their album, which is coming up based on what I've heard. And then on the flip side of that, Red Hot Chili Peppers, two new singles they put out since the original one, Poster Child and Not the One, uh, two absolute snoozers. Um. Not worth your time, unfortunately, I don't think. Um, and the album is out on Friday. Uh, obviously, I'll review it next week. I have heard more tracks off the album, and 
I'm not loving it. It's very low energy. Mm. And when low energy is not bad for chili peppers, you know. I like my I like my uh my scar tissue. I like my uh uh killing the girl. Uh is that the, what that one called? The girl. Um uh but this one doesn't have the like, you know, you wanna you wanna can't stop. You wanna by the way, or you know, one of the more rocking songs. Doesn't have that so far, I'm afraid to say. Uh, that's all the music for the week. You know, this is anything, Joe? Um, no, I did read a top 50 Charlie XCX collaboration. Oh. Uh, countdown on AV Club, uh, which was bollocks. Whoever wrote it doesn't know what they're talking about. Disrespect to Queen. The song, yeah, she... the song at number one was awful. I'd never even heard of it. It was terrible. So, yeah, fucking. She did a, a, a cover of one of the Stromae songs, Out Out, I think was the really? new one. Oh, yeah. Oh. The Aloran oh. Dance, she did a version mm-hmm. of that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was ranked really low. That was like 48 in the list. I was like, well. There you go. Surely that's one of the better ones. That's a good song. Mm. Anyway. Yeah, no, not you know, Shirley XCX, her name is. Yeah. <laughs> Folks, <laughs> we love it. <laughs> we love we love still jokes. Anyway, uh, we will jump on here very quickly to the telly guff. Um, uh, in preparation for for season three, we are starting to rewatch the boys here. Um, a uh, bit of an Anthony Starr season here in this house. We're also still watching Banshee. Uh, boys season one, we actually just finished it. They're still really good. Uh, holds up quite well. Uh, very funny. Um, uh, Carl Urban just just showing up in every single. Oh, I fucking you invisible cunt. Yeah, listen, listen here, cunt. I'll take your fucking. Laser eyes, and I'll blow your fucking cock off with it. You're right. <laughs> You're done. He's great. Um, it's it's. I, I think it's 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 an imperfect season of TV. I think some of the editing in it is a little um, all over the place. You kind of like forget where characters are here and there. It's do. It's trying to. It's fitting a lot into that introductory season, but I think it mostly hits its mark. Um, I also I, I don't know if it's like it's it's got that kind of modern dark grungy look that a lot of prestige TV has, and I don't know if it does that on purpose to like satirize like some of these movies that they're obviously making fun of. But I think it's quite an ugly show, um, and I'm not sure if that is a stylistic choice or it's just this is the way people shoot television today. Um, uh, but that's not a, not, not a major grievance really at all. Uh, so yeah, it comes up for, for season one of the boys. We've season two here. Good to go. Um, as well. I bought the, I bought the Blu-rays actually, even though this is a streaming television show, uh, you know, I'm a big physical media fan and I don't have prime currently. Uh, so we bought the old Blu-rays, which is always good to have. Although one thing I will say, I don't know if Amazon are trying to sneakily push people into the streaming and say, it's not worth it, pal. It's not worth it. Only, only a few deleted scenes and a blooper reel on the Blu-rays, which is disappointing. Come on now. You can't give me, you can't give me a, a, an audio. You can't give me one episode with an audio commentary. Come on now. And Carl just just walked onto the set. And he said, "What if I just said cunt alone?" <laughs> every every sentence, they it, bloody love it. Pal. It's some um, indecipherable accent. That, <laughs> that was the other thing as well. Australian, Australian like, or British. 
Unlike unlike episode six, they, some characters are talking about butcher and the the the, the uh, 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 tall, uh, dark hair British. I was like British. I thought he was supposed to be Australian. I didn't realize that. Oh, it's so. It's just this weird, weird amalgamation of an accent. It's so good in a bad way, but it's great. Um, yeah, so we'll we'll watch season two shortly. June that ne- that next season is is coming on, which I'm very excited about. Um, I also I haven't watched any yet. I I have it like a, uh, downloaded. They put out like a, a like um a, a spin off animated show on Prime, uh, which I've gotten like no buzz. Like I haven't heard anyone talk about it other than I was just, I was reading about season three and I heard some. It's like some kind of like. Um, uh, anthology style thing. All the episodes are standalone. They're animated in different styles. Uh, I think it's like prequely. Uh, you know, it's kind of a, something along those lines. Might check that out as well over the course. But um, but yeah, that's uh, that's all we've really been watching here. Uh, just for me, South Park finished up its six episode season with another stinker. So wow. probably the worst season they've done in twenty five years. Oh wow. Don't have much more to say about that. The one good episode and and five bad ones, really poor for for a show that had kind of been having somewhat of a renaissance. Uh, just really, really poor. I don't know what happened. And the two films they put out, the two uh, what are the Paramount Plus films, were both very good. So I was surprised that this season was so poor. But that's what you get with South Park, I guess. Yeah, that's it, really, isn't it? It's, it's the perennial. Uh, it's always yeah it's just it's all over the shop Uh, we will then jump in to the movie guff poll as it is for the night that's in it do you want to take us through your Oscar roundup okay so I want I've I've got a lot of movies to go through so I won't uh, take too long I want to bring up as well the Oscar the uh, the award list so I can give you my, uh, my my picky booze um, let me get that on Wikipedia quickly. Well, that's one thing about the Oscars, I must say, is always fucking impossible to get Wikipedia up uh, quickly. It's always, you have to go, 94th Academy Awards. Mm. Okay. So, quickly, uh, I watched The Lost Daughter with Olivia Colman and Jesse Buckley. They're both great in it. I don't think it ever got quite as interesting as I was hoping it would. Not that I necessarily hoped it would have a uh, a real like supernatural edge to it but i felt like i was enjoying it throughout but i felt like i was on the precipice of like leaning forward in my chair with interest and i never quite leant forward right ultimately mm-hmm. so enjoyable and well made but i just wish there was a little sprinkle more of intrigue to it and um, like i said performance is very good uh licorice pizza the new paul thomas anderson one mm. uh very enjoyable uh, one of the best action scenes in years in a film that's not an action film whatsoever. Uh, obviously controversial for two reasons. The first being the age gap between the the two characters involved, which I you know I, I enjoyed the movie. I I didn't find that so problematic. I think at points it it somewhat rears its head and you start to think. Oh, it's a bit of a... Uh, on the other hand, the second uh, point of controversy is the. Uh, overtly racist character who, and I just want to clarify, I just want to clarify the character himself is racist, not that the film is right, right, um, right, right. You know, 
they don't have uh, uh, what is it in, in when the whistle blows, Mister Hashimoto or anything. There's like nothing like that. But there's there is a character who acts as if he was in a when the whistle blows style comedy, where he he's he's he, he owns this like um, restaurant, right? He's married to a Japanese woman, and they're they're in a very serious meeting with I guess it's like a graphic design salesperson or whatever. And he's looking and going, okay, we want we want to make sure we have the food mentioned. We want to the, and then he turns to the the wife and says, Oh, what do you think of of this? But he does it in an over-the-top novelty caricature Japanese accent. Right. Point, the point being that while everybody else is like mortified looking at him, he thinks it's normal for him that when he talks to his wife, for her to understand, he has to talk in this over-the-top silly, yeah. silly Japanese in inverted commas <laughs> Japanese <laughs> voice yeah, Japanese <laughs> yeah. Well, that's probably very that was probably based on a very true anecdote from the 70s I imagine like. I will I will say in context a lot of the film seems anecdotal mm. if not somewhat autobiographical I don't know how much of that is yeah, yeah. but that character in particular like it, it's very very funny because of like it, it, it almost comes off like the same reason why Frank Drebin is funny in Naked Gun because he plays it so straight. Yeah, and like everything to him seems normal, while it's just madness going on around them. Um, so I didn't have, I didn't really have much of a problem with that at all. I, I, I understood the context of the character, and I, it, it, it's not glorifying racism or anything like that that I've seen people talk about. Very, very enjoyable film. Very, very fun. Uh. Tick, tick, boom! Mm. Andrew Garfield uh, in the Spider-Man. Jonathan Larson uh, musical. Uh, I quite enjoy Rent, and I quite enjoy the musical stylings of Jonathan Larson, and so this was more or less right up my alley. I thought it was very, very good, uh, and mostly due to the heavy lifting of Andrew Garfield, who is excellent in it. Yes, yeah, uh, he really, really carries it. But Leo, you know, like. Your your rocket mans of the world, it's a, a biopic of sorts, but that does something extra with the formula. It's not just a straight. And then he went here, and this happened, and then this thing happened. It's it, it's very artistically done, which I appreciate. That was very very good. Uh, West Side Story, also very good. Uh, I think having watched it just after Tick Tick Boom, I actually preferred the music in Tick Tick Boom. Than in West Side Story, I think. I think music-wise, say it out loud. I think West Side Story is a little bit overrated. Music. <laughs> I wonder how much of the um, affection for West Side Story is more based on the movie, the previous movie that came out, as opposed to like you know it has its uh, in America and I feel pretty and you know the hits that everybody knows, but. I think I just prefer the, the the Jonathan Larson sound to the... I know Sondheim did the lyrics for West Side Story. I don't know who did the music, but uh, I don't know. Uh, Music-wise, eh. I think, though, it's it's like perfectly directed. The dance sequences are spectacular. The performances are all great. Uh, the one thing I would point out, though, is our, is our mate, little, little El Gort, who... Uh, <laughs> he, 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 he a handsome boy, but... Uh, Every time he's on screen with someone, they eat him alive. He's got no screen presence whatsoever. Um, especially little uh, Rachel Ziegler, who is like half his size and is like 10 times his screen presence. Mm. I, fa- I thought he was the one glaring problem with the movie. I thought everything else was done really well. 
Uh, Parallel Mothers, the new Pedro Almodovar film. Mm. His films look like shit. Uh, one of the weirdest shot films I've seen in a while, in that he he shoots everything digitally now. I think he used to shoot on film. But it looks like a telenovela. Like, it looks really mm. shallow. Um, none Like, the shots have no depth to them. They, they're very flat, and not in an artistic Wes Anderson way. They just it's just it looks real ugly. I don't like how his films look at all. Uh luckily the story was pretty compelling. Penelope Cruz is great in it. Uh and yeah, I really got into it the way I liked it. I think I liked it slightly more than Pain and Glory, which was his last one I saw. I just think I'm not I'm not a huge Almodovar fan. I, I gotta say. I think I like his I like his movies, but I never liked them more than like a seven or an eight out of ten. That's kind of his ceiling for me. Uh but this is one of the better ones. Uh, and then we get to the the, the, the properly good films. Uh, worst person in the world is getting, you might see online, getting a lot of traction now. This just came out in cinemas in Ireland. Mm. It's uh, a very dark comedy uh, about a, a, a lady called Julie who can't. She's like a, a just gone into her 30s. She can't quite figure out what she wants her life to be. She wants everything, but at the same time, she wants nothing. Um, she's in that kind of quandary where she... She doesn't really know what she wants from life, and so she's actively wanting everything, but also not chasing anything. Um, and it's kind of a, a you know a, a very relatable story about you know what life is like when you're stuck in that in that mindset. Uh, very very good. Um, would highly recommend it. Very um, very sad at points. Very funny at points. There are parts where it comes out of the realism and goes into like dream sequences that are very effective as well. Um, pretty much loved it. So that would be one of the better ones of the group. I saw, I won't say too much about it because I think it's better to go in cold fresh yeah. to it. it. It is a film that uh, is segmented as well into uh, 12 sections. Uh, it's not like um, an anthology because it's the one story, but it's like chapter one, okay. which is always a framework that I, I, I enjoy in films for for whatever reason and then finally nightmare alley the guillermo del toro um bradley cooper vehicle a step back in the right direction for del toro i think uh i liked it a lot more than shape of water um probably probably the film of his i've enjoyed the most since certain labyrinth Mm, okay high praise High praise. I don't think it's as good as Pan's Labyrinth. Well, no, but still, yeah, yeah. Since Pacific, like since Pacific then, Rim. Yeah, I'm I'm very much a Pacific Rim fan, but I can also say objectively, uh, I think Nightmare Alley is better. One thing I wish with Nightmare Alley though is I wish visually it was a bit more nightmarish. Um, right. The story is great. It's actually I think based on a book with uh, there was already a Nightmare Alley film in like the the 1940s. I think 1947. But it's um, it's got great performances in it. Willem Dafoe, always a favorite, shows up. Uh, Ron Perlman, who's always in Del Toro's films. Bradley Cooper's great. Um, Kate Blanchett, uh, Hereditary Woman, Tony Collette. Hereditary um, Woman. Tony wow. Collette. No, no, I got Tony Collette before you put it. Um, great cast, great cast. Richard Jenkins, he's great in it too. Um, and I thought the story was really compelling and really great. The only thing, like I said, is I wish there was a bit more visually going on. At, at times, it, it seems a little too clean, a little too 
fake looking i guess for want of a better word right for for the story that's going on i i, I almost wish it looked a bit more like tim burtony in a way um but i thought it was very very good as well very much enjoyed that and so we'll quickly go through my oscar picks okay uh we'll build up the best picture so we'll start with um best animated film so obviously encanto is going to win that uh, very handily. So put your put your uh, winter money on Encanto there. I think probably the best of them was Luca. So that's the one I'd go for. Uh, best adapted screenplay: Coda, Drive My Car, Dune, The Lost Daughter, Power the Dog. I would say probably my favorite screenplay there was Drive My Car. Uh, best original screenplay: Belfast, Don't Look Up, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, and Worst Person in the World. Well, it's got to be between Licorice Pizza and Worst Person in the World. I'd probably just go Licorice Pizza on that one. Uh, Best Supporting Actress. Um, I will go... You have Jesse Buckley, sorry. Jesse Buckley in Lost Daughter. Ariana DeBose, or DeBose, uh, West Side Story. Judy Dench in Belfast for some reason. Kirsten Dunst, (laughs) Art of Dog. And uh, Anjanu Ellis. King Richard. Uh, not exactly. Um, did you see King Richard in the end? You did, didn't you? I did. Yeah, it's, it was. It sure was a biopic, Barry. Yeah, it was one of them. It was one of them. Yeah. Uh, I guess. I. I mean, I think I thought Ariana DeBose was really good in West Side Story. I go either her or Jesse Buckley. I go DeBose just to. Uh, I think I, I think her her prose is a little bit stronger. Uh, but like, what an indictment it was of the year that that's the. The list of best supporting actresses, and we'll get to actress in a second as well. Uh, best supporting actor: Kieran Hines in Belfast, yeah. Uh, Troy Kotzer, Coda, Jesse Plemons, Power of Dog, J.K. Simmons being the Ricardos, Cody Smith feet Power of Dog. I'll go uh, Troy Kotzer in Coda in that one, hands down for me. Best actress: Jessica Chastain in Ooh, Look at Me, Aren't I a Good Actress? Oh, sorry, I mean the eyes <laughs> of Faye. <laughs> Um, Olivia Coleman, Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz, Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman being the Ricardos, Ugh, Kristen Stewart, Spencer. So I'll go. Uh, I'll go Penelope Cruz in that one. Uh, I, I feel like I feel like there's going to just be this like temptation to give it to Kristen Stewart because it's like it's our, our die, you know. Yeah, but the thing, Barry, is she's such a free spirit. She she is a free spirit, and that should be recognized with an Oscar. I think yes. Um, and again, I'll just point out that. Uh, do you want to have a guess if you if you're not aware already? How many of the films in which the best actress was uh, picked from? How many of those films are nominated for best picture? Zero. Correct. Hey, and it was either really low or really high. Uh, best actor: Javier Bardem being the Ricardos, Benedict Cumberbatch in he gets his knob out in the power of the dog uh, andrew garfield tick tick boom will smith king richard denzel washington tragedy of Macbeth. so that's andrew garfield by a mile uh although i expect will smith to win for a film in which he puts on a bit of a funny voice uh best director brana for belfast Ryusuke amaguchi drive my car pta licorice pizza jane campion power of the dog steven spielberg west side story i'll go for a, a left field pick here i'll go spielberg on that one uh, as I said, I thought West Side Story was an absolutely tremendous production. And then Best Picture, Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, Powder Dog, West Side Story. I'm going to go Powder Dog. Really? Powder Dog. Would that be the there first Netflix movie to win a fucking Best Picture? Yeah. Well, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I think so. 
Although apparently Coda is picking up a lot of steam. I will say Coda, if it wins, will be the, the worst the worst winner since I know people say Crash as the horrible one. And people now point out Green Book as being a bad one. Green Book's a better movie than Coda. Sorry. Wow. That's that's uh, I haven't seen Coda, but that's some fairly heavy shade on another Green Book was you talk about all these biopics and and the oh please give me an Oscar movies. That was the most please give us Oscars movies you've ever I know. seen. Hey, at least you, you, say, you say, good, you're saying racism is good? Huh? <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> hey, my black friends gay too. <laughs> he wrote this here book. You read this book? <laughs> I don't think he wrote the book. I think he was a piano player. Never mind. <laughs> so that's the thing with Green Book is I at least liked Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Ali in it. They were, they were two good performances. Just, they were. You know. Coda's just, uh, I don't know. Anyway, that's all the movies I watched because all I do these days is watch Oscar movies. Uh, I will say tentatively, next on my list is a little review of the, dis- the I was going to say the discography, the filmography of Wallace and Gromit. Hey, up, Gromit. Oh, crack and cheese. Wensleydale cheese. Crack and cheese. Grab it. So look forward to that. Good stuff. Uh, I saw some movies this week. I saw an old movie and I saw a new movie. Uh, I, I Both on the old Disney Plus, as it were. Uh, we watched Working Girl, uh, which is a 1980s classic or cult classic of some of, of sorts. Uh, Jane Cusack, Mr. Harrison Ford's. At the peak of his sexual powers, um, <laughs> and uh, Sigourney Weaver, basically uh, just this uh, kind of a, a small, t- a small time kind of like uh, stock exchange worker girl gets fired. She gets hired in Sigourney Weaver's office. Sigourney Weaver takes a fancy to her. I'm a, I'm a lady about town. I'm a powerful woman here in the in the industry. Uh, I'll take you under my wing as my little protege. Uh, and then Sigourney Weaver's character gets injured. He has to take a leave of absence from the office. And our main character schemes and plots to take her place. Hmm, maybe I'll maybe I'll be the big wig. Hmm, maybe I'll be the girl boss now. This movie was girl boss before girl boss was a thing. And in the middle of it, there's also a, a love triangle with uh, Mr. Sexy Pants, 1980s Harrison Ford. Uh, very good, very funny, very 80s. I mean, I know it's like such an obvious thing, but like the hair in this movie is just so fucking in your face from the opening scene. It's like it's like you you could guess the decade, you guess the year this came out uh, uh, straight away. But uh, very good, very uh, 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 an intriguing drama. It's got some kind of uh, dark comedy in it. Great ensemble cast. Um, you've got uh, oh, really weird casting. They've got this one scene where like Kevin Spacey's like a coked up pervert. What was all that about? Um, <laughs> um, uh, and they also have a very young, almost recognizable if he wasn't a very, very famous celebrity, the very young Alec Baldwin in there as well um, uh, in, in a, a really good supporting role. So yeah, Working Girl thumbs up on that. Uh, also a thumbs up for Fresh. Uh, which is on the kind of uh, grown-up section of Disney Plus. I think it's on Hulu in the states. It is. I wouldn't describe it as a as a horror comedy necessarily. It's kind of like a movie of 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 two halves. The first kind of third of the film kind of feels like it's going to be maybe a little bit of a quirky, somewhat dark romantic comedy, and then that's the first third, and then the following two thirds are like straight horror. And like not even horror comedy. It's like when it switches, it's just it's like now it's a horror movie. 
like forget forget that first bit. That was all that was all misdirection. Um, it is the girl whose name escapes me from Normal People, uh, the the lead actress from that. Oh, yeah. uh, Daisy, Daisy some, something or other, yeah. Um, Jones, Daisy something. Daisy else. Jones, yeah. Uh, she's excellent as she as she typically is. Uh, and uh, Sebastian Stan is our our our, our problem, problematic man in the uh, in the film, and he is fantastic. He is really really great. Uh, haven't seen him in in quite a few years, and something that wasn't so Marvel slop. So it was good to see him do some acting, uh, which was nice, and not just be gunman. Gunman fight, gunman fight alien. Um, uh, yeah, no, it's really, really good. It's quite weird uh, in places. It's it is quite scary. It's quite unnerving, uh, and it's got great performances. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's that's a big recommendation there. If you want something, I, when I was finished watching it, I was like, I could really tell. Like that is, it has the makings of a real like cult classic. I think I think it'll probably be a, a, a much talked about among the horror fans for uh, for a few years to come. So thumbs up on that one. Uh, again, that is on Disney Plus in this part of the world. Um, and that's it for this week. Tomorrow we're going to go see Flea in the cinema, which I'm very excited for. Um, uh, so looking forward to that. Uh, but yeah, those are all my films for this week. Nice. Well, I've got I've got quite a few because I was on the airplane for 20 hours, so <laughs> a few films watched. Um, I'll start with the only bad one. Actually, I watched a lot of good films. The okay. only bad one I saw. Was a little film called House of Gucci. Now, hey, you uh, don't like a Gucci, huh? Why are you not like a Gucci? Um, wait, are, are we in a, a Paul Thomas Anderson film? What's going on? <laughs> no, I can assure you, we're in the House of Gucci. No, I can yeah, assure you, we're in the House of Gucci. That was pretty good by this by their standards. Um, wow, what a turd this movie was. Um, <laughs> And I can assure Ridley Scott, although I am a millennial, I was not on my phone during the movie. I was paying attention to it. No. I got a full appraisal of it, and it was pretty dreadful. Um, it he felt would like- probably hate that you watched it on a plane, though. He exactly. would probably hate that. Oh, well, you watched it on a plane. That yeah. What you want to do is, you want to, it's a movie about a very stylish family, Joe. So you yeah. want to go to the cinema, watch it on a big screen, and oh, go, yeah. why did he make this movie so fucking ugly and flat and grey yeah, and horrible looking? Why he doesn't? Do you know what fashion is, Ridley, sir? <laughs> it, it feels like every actor is in a different movie. Yeah, it feels like Jared uh, Leto comes out of a like a nutty professor movie. <laughs> right? Super Mario Three it comes know. in. It comes in with the, the the plastic face and the bald. Yeah, you know, cap and go in the door with the socks and make it a clothes. But everyone else is kind of playing it, almost like doing that kind of prestige. You know, of, yes. oh yes, we're, we're, it's a prestigious drama sort of acting. Jeremy Irons and Al Pacino and you know doing that kind of thing. And he, and he wanders in doing something else. Lady Gaga, I think, is going for prestige, but also kind of slips more towards the I make it a pizza sort of. <laughs> I I would say more Russian, if anything. Yeah, yeah I, from the trailers, I know what you're not saying. Not a particularly yeah. ethical person, Natasha Bolas. She was kind of like a heel Bond girl. Uh, yeah, vibe. And there's a very weird opening scene where so her father owns a bunch of trucks, like a transport company, and she's walking across the depot, and all of the workmen are like 
catcalling or wolf whistling her. Mm. And it's very strange because, first of all, she's the boss's daughter. So, why? I don't know. Maybe that's just an Italian thing. They do that to all, all women. I don't know. <laughs> Sexes. Wild. But it. <laughs> But it just didn't seem to make any sense because she wasn't playing like this kind of bombshell, like 20 something, mm. you know, she was just like a normal looking woman. <laughs> you know what I mean? It didn't really make a lot of sense that, and, and how she was able to kind of, um, you know, get Adam Driver's character, you know, into this relationship. It was, it was very strange. Um, he, I mean, he's good. Driver's good. Um, and a lot of the performances aren't that bad. But I think, yeah, the film was very boring. The most interesting part for me was when it actually got into the details about the fashion industry. So when they were talking about like the knockoff Gucci bags that Al Pacino yes. is selling mm. and, and how that works. And then actually in the final third of the movie, when Gaga kind of is not in it as much, it starts to get a lot better, I thought, when it was just focused on Driver. And he like he meets a young Tom Ford and hires him and it starts to get into that kind of stuff. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's interesting kind of seeing that side of the fashion industry and being let into that world and, and seeing you know, kind of how it works. Um, yeah, but other than that, it was it was terrible. And I'd also say that the soundtrack was really bizarre as well. Um, <laughs> the There were points where it felt like I, I was actually unsure um, as to whether I had just switched on like a random song like while listening to the movie. <laughs> I think it was, I can't remember if it was Duran Duran or someone like that, but it was just like, um, it, it was just completely at random. And I, yeah, and that kept happening during the film as well. It was a very kind of 80s soundtrack. So yeah, I I mean, I, I'm not glad I watched it because it, <laughs> it wasn't interesting enough to be um, kind of watchable. But yeah, anyway, House of Gucci, yeah. avoid, avoid that. Um, I also watched a little movie called Scream, or as it should be known, Scream 5 because it's not yes. the original Scream from 1996. It's a new Scream, um, which is another sequel, or a requel, as they call it, in the, in the film yes. itself, which is a reboot uh, slash sequel. So that's when you're kind of like a little bit like uh, The Force Awakens, where Force you're kind Awakens. of doing a right. soft reboot, but it's also a sequel because you bring back all the old characters and the continuity as well. Um, and I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was a lot better than the previous sequel, um, Scream 4, which was not particularly good. Um, it kind of went back to the basics a little bit and re- went right back to the original kind of Scream. Um, I thought Jack Quaid is is great. He makes everything better. He's just so charming and such mm. a good actor. I really, really like him. Um, yeah, and it, 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 the problem with Scream is it, it was such a time and place movie for me at that period in the 90s um, with the way horror had kind of gone through the 80s and 90s and Scream came along was just this kind of, you know, completely refreshing sort of parody slash, but also starting a whole new generation. And so every sequel that comes after it is never going to be as good as that first movie. But it was still good. It still enjoyed it. Um, And if they do another one, yeah, I'll probably watch that as well. So yeah, I would would recommend checking out Scream um, if you haven't seen it already. Um, Went to the cinema to see... Um, a, a saga called The Batman. Ah, uh, um, yes. Starring a man who uh, dresses up as a bat uh, to fight crime in Gotham. Uh, Mr. Robert Pattinson playing uh, the, the titular role. Um, I enjoyed it. It was relentlessly miserable and dark, <laughs> to be yes. honest. Like, there was no... I mean, if you're going into that movie a bit depressed, 
you're not going to come out of it <laughs> feeling any lighter. It was there wrong. was no moment where they said, "Well, that just happened." Mm, mm. Oh, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. There was no Michael Caine doing kind of the odd gag, you know, here or there to break things up. It's just like even <laughs> even bad. Alfred and and um, and Bruce were kind of at odds with each other and sort of pissed off straight away in the very first. Yeah, scene. it was like, yeah. well, "You're not my fa- you're not my family, are you? You ain't my like, father." Well, Master Bruce. Uh, You're not my real dad. Um, yeah, so pretty relentless, but I did enjoy it. I, I I liked how kind of dark and gothic it was, and it was very the most kind of comic booky Batman mm. done so far, really. Like it was very, you know, graphic novelly. Um and I thought the performances, I I mean I love Paul Dano anyway. He's like brilliant in everything. I thought he was really good as a Riddler. And I like the take on that character kind of you know, obviously inspired by the Zodiac Killer, but there was a little bit of like QAnon in there and this kind of stuff as well. Like I thought, I thought that worked really well, and I thought his his performance was really good. Um, and I also liked um, Colin Farrell as, as the Penguin, um, who, in a weird way, is very similar to Jared Leto in House of yes. Gucci. <laughs> like you could have probably swapped those two characters, and you wouldn't have noticed the difference, which is good for the Batman, but an indictment of, of House of Gucci. Um, but he's really, really good and kind of unrecognizable as well. And I like that take on the Penguin uh, character as well, like kind of mm. making him into that mob boss and yeah, kind of legitimizing him. So that was that was really good. I would say I didn't I didn't love the ending. There's a uh, you've seen it, Paul. Have you? All three of us. We've all seen it. We've all seen it. Um, I won't give yeah concrete spoilers, but there's a kind of let's say an aquatic based plot point mm. towards the end, which I thought was probably more from a Chris Nolan Batman movie. Right. And then this one, I was like, mm, don't think we needed to kind of go there, really. It was it was doing okay without it. Uh, yeah, and there's a slightly strange ending. Um, but overall, I yeah, I thought it was really good. I, I, I did enjoy it. And I would look forward to seeing, definitely seeing more of more of those with Robert Pattinson. Was, uh, did, you, uh, did you guys see the deleted scene they released this week? With yes. Mr. Barracoon? Yes. I think that that guy is so twisted <laughs> that I don't think they should release a movie with him in it. It would frankly be obscene. I yeah. Yeah. Honest with you. I I I'm I'm jokered out. I'm jokered out and I'm Darth Vadered out. I don't need any more of these two. Uh I don't need any more of these two. <laughs> I I think based on that kind of feedback, I think Matt Reeves has said that it's not necessarily going to be Joker in the next one, which is good. I even the context of the scene, I wouldn't even mind if that's a recurring bit in what would presumably be a trilogy mm. where he yeah. goes to him for advice. That would at least be something different that I could live with. But I just, I just yeah. can't have it. I, I, it was just, and the other thing as well, I know people probably say this about every performance, but I do genuinely think it's true. I, I, I would have, if I was, if I was Matt Reeves, I would have said, Barry, can we? Can we have like fifty percent less Heath Ledger, please? Like it's like I know everything gets compared to Heath Ledger, but that was that was like post Dark Knight fan film stuff. It really was, <laughs> and he's a good actor. But come on, yeah. The thing with the Joker is that he is such a free spirit. <laughs> Our die was the Joker of the Royals. <laughs> uh, that's why they had to offer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which Batman never had the never had the balls to do, you know. 
Exactly. Uh, anyway, what what else was on your uh, your journey? Um, yeah, so Batman's good, and actually also rewatched uh, Batman Begins uh, on Netflix um, after we saw that, which was kind of secretly my like favorite of that trilogy. I know everyone liked The Dark Knight. Um, I really always really loved Batman Begins. I would say watching it now, it feels very quaint and almost kind of dated. I know, and it has been what. 17 years since that movie came out it's been quite a long time wow really yeah 2005 um but i I think it's probably the fact that there's just been so many comic book movies since that one is what makes it feel even more dated just some of the humor and the style of it like it it just we've seen just so much it feels like from a whole another era it feels closer to like christopher reeve (laughs) superman kind of era is because it's just been it's been so much since then but um, yeah, still a really good movie. Uh, it's funny that they just put Morgan Freeman in it as Morgan Freeman, though. That <laughs> yeah. Just so, yeah. Why not? Why not? Um, so that was great. Um, a couple of kind of older movies I watched. Um, one called Heartburn, which was Nora Nora Ephron's first movie based on a book. Stars Meryl Streep and Jack Nicholson. Um, so how's that for a, a lead duo? Mm-hmm. I think maybe their only movie they've done together. I, can't, I don't know if there's another, but yeah, it's a kind of um, drama about their sort of relationship. Um, it, it's quite a, a low-key drama. It's not really much to, to explain. It's, it's based on kind of true events and her marriage. But yeah, a kind of a bit of a gem there um, from our Efron. So I'd recommend checking out Heartburn if you ever come across that. Uh, and I also watched About Schmidt, another Jack Nicholson movie from quite a 20 years ago now. Yeah, early 2000s. He plays a grumpy old fucker. Uh, who kind of retires and then goes off to kind of discover himself. So it's kind of one of those kind of movies, but very well done. And Jack Nicholson kind of plays against type as quite a fuddy-duddy sort of boring, quite boring man. He's not playboy Jack Nicholson. He's kind of a very schlubby, schlumpy sort of man. Um, (laughs) there There is a scene, he's in a, like a jacuzzi with Kathy Bates. And she goes kind of full on nude, like full frontal nude in the, yeah, I've in seen the movie. It. Oh, I bet you have. Um, <laughs> and I was thinking, oh, fair play to her. But then, to, to be fair, Jack Nicholson does also get his boobs out as well. So it was, yeah, well, that's it was fair. fair. That's fair. It was fair. It gets a bit of the arse out, you know. Good. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, good movie. Enjoyed enjoyed that one. Um, I'll just mention before you go yeah. on, Joe, Mer- Meryl Streep and Jack Nicholson since, since his Oscar night in 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 the all time list of nominations, number one and number three. Oh. With only Catherine Hepburn between them. Street number one, I assume. Street number one. A total 33 acting nominations. Jesus Christ. Street 21, Nicholson 12. It's like, it's like, it's like uh, Sony keeping the Spider-Man rights. She just has to be in a film every couple of years. Just, just get one. (laughs) Otherwise, it should be down, Meryl. We have to close the Oscars. Yeah, as someone who watches them all, it felt like that for a few years. (laughs) Into the Woods and Osage, August County, anyone? Oh, Lord, um, and then two movies I watched yesterday on the on the trip back. So, firstly, Venom: Let There Be Carnage. Oh hell yeah! Um, which I enjoyed. However, it did feel and well. It's a sequel to obviously to the last one, but it did just feel like part two of the last one. Like it kind of yeah. picks up where that left off, and it and then wasn't really too much new ground covered. I kind of felt it. It, it kind of passed me by without really grabbing me. Yeah, much if in all honesty, and and I love all the actors in it. I mean, I like you know, Tom Hardy, Stephen Graham, um, Mr. Harrelson himself, um, who is always great. I always love Woody Harrelson, but 
I just felt his his character is just that kind of superhero film. Yeah, it's villain. very generic. There's really. there's nothing there's nothing for him to really get his teeth into. It's just kind of a oh, I like to kill people because I'm, I'm crazy. Yeah. Carnage, Carnage sucks. He's always sucked as a character. It's always yeah. that Edge Lord. I just I effing love killing lads. It's great. It's yeah. just it's always been that. It's always so torturous. It's just so yeah. I I enjoyed it. Worth a watch, but it, yeah, it kind of passed me by. To be honest, um, decent, decent, not great. And then finally, mm. I watched uh, Shazam, the uh, mm. DC movie from twenty nineteen. Um, been meaning to watch this for a while now. Never really got around to it, but yeah, of course, the movie where a young boy changes into a superhero by saying the word Shazam. Um, it was really good. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I thought the two kind of young characters in it were both really good, but the one, not the main kid, the supporting kid who's kind of like got a disability and is obsessed with superheroes. He was fantastic. I was like, wow, where did they find this kid? He was so, so good uh, in that role. And I like the whole concept of it. It starts out like it's kind of an old school, like bit of a throwback sort of fantasy, mystery, mystical element. Yeah. Which was more of 80s, early 90s, um, which was quite a bit of a contrast to kind of the comic book movie you see now where it's like, you know, radioactive spider or it's, you know, crazy guy, like it's a carnage or it's all this kind of stuff. It was a bit, yeah, a little bit different, which I enjoyed. Um, I would say the guy that plays the superhero, and I don't really know what to call the superhero because he's not called Shazam. Is he? He's called. I think he is. I think he, he has a lore name, but he's called Shazam. He's known in, as like Shazam. all the all the. Well, there, this this is where the confusion comes from because I think the character was Captain Marvel yeah. originally. Yes, that was, was it. Yeah, that was it. Captain Marvel. I think Shazam. like uh, that was a fairly. Re- I think he's in one of the DC fighting games, like like last console mm. generation as Captain Marvel. I think. Um, yeah, yeah. So and he, also we have we have Brie Larson on the other side now. So. Mm. She, so he, I, I didn't, I didn't like him that much, and I think it's because no. he reminded me of Jimmy Fallon a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he, he looks like him, and also the kind of silly performance was quite similar. Right. And I was just, that just kind of put me off. Like yeah. you know who I think would have been great in that role, Mister John Cena. I think he would have been a good. Oh yes. Yeah. Yes, because he could do the the sort of quite sort of pretentious, serious stuff, but also be very silly and do the comedy. So I think he would have been a good, good kind of casting for that. And he's already got the giant like body as well. He already looks ridiculous, yeah. so it'd be perfect for it. Um, but yeah, I liked I liked the kids. I liked the kind of the story was told really nicely, and the, and the ending was really kind of satisfying as well. And Mark Strong is a good kind of villain, sort of chewing the scenery, and mm. no no redemption for him. He's just a bastard, basically. <laughs> he just wants yeah. to kill the kids and get be powerful. It's great, yeah. So yeah, I really, really enjoyed that. Look forward to a sequel. Yeah, that was that was the kind of the first like post Snyder film where DC like came out with the first good film they've had since Nolan, basically, and and, like kind of turned their fortunes around. But I I enjoyed that movie a lot. Yeah, it's really good. So that's all the movies for this week. As a a bumper movie, I think we got through that in a decent clip. Well done, lads. I think we, we got through them. Uh, Game Guff we'll, we'll get through these fairly quickly as well probably goes without saying lots of Elden Ring for me the past uh, two weeks 
I played, obviously, so I mentioned in Life Golf, we were confined to the house for our long weekend. Naturally, that involved then playing a lot of Elden Ring. So much so that, like, when Monday rolled around, I was back to work. And then I finished work and I was like, you know what? I'm going to have an evening off because I've, I'm have i up to my eyeballs in orcs and norks and <laughs> elves and magic sticks and everything else. And all the time I spent doing other stuff, I was kind of like, God, I should, oh, I need to go and do this in Elden Ring. I need to go and fucking, I need to go into this cave and beat this goblin king and get his fucking, <laughs> get his magnet of doom or whatever the fuck you get down there. Uh, I haven't actually played it in a few days now because we've just been kind of busy with other stuff. But I mean, it is, it is stupendous. I talked about it two weeks ago with Paul. I mean, it, it's, uh, it is, it is really, really wonderful. And I'm, I'm excited to uh, keep playing it. Uh, on the old stream front, I finished up Little Hope uh, this past Wednesday. That is the uh, kind of horror, like story-based game, decision-based game starring uh, Will Poulter, 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 um, British TV star and film star now as well. It was good. It's kind of like their take on. It, not even their take. I'm sure they they probably were explicitly homaging it. They basically made like a Silent Hill game without that license. It's like a bunch of people go through uh, a, a sleepy New England town that's covered in fog. They can't escape and they're haunted by like visions of a past life. It's 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 literally just Silent Hill, but off off brand, you know, tribute. Um, I liked it. I think those games are well made. Um, the, the forking path of the story is genuinely really impressive. As the credits were rolling, I, I did fire up on stream like a list of here's all the fucking different ways things can go. And it's like super, super impressive the, the way the story can go. But I, I did feel that just in terms of how well it was written, it didn't it didn't hit for me too much at, uh, at all. And, you know, spoilers here. For, it is like two-year-old game, if anyone cares, you know, <laughs> sort of jump ahead 20 seconds. But it does have a version. It's ending, no matter which good, bad, or middle ending you get, it is a type of it was all a dream ending, uh, uh, which is unfortunate. Uh, it's very hard to do that and justify it. And I don't think they did justify it in a meaningful way. Uh, which was disappointing. Um, uh, they do the like Scrubs, Brendan Fraser thing, where at the end of the game, you realize only one character was actually there and yeah. the entire other ensemble cast was like in your head. And like, mm-hmm, okay. yeah. So that was a bummer. Um, I'm going to play the next one of them in a few in a few weeks. Uh, also still at the moment playing Simpsons Hit and Run on the PS2, which has held up surprisingly well. Um, uh, it really feels like something from a bygone era. They don't really make licensed games like this anymore. Uh, it's really, really cool. I mean, it's just like, it's still a novelty to me, you know, 15 years, well, fucking more even, I think it was 2003, nearly 20 years ago that game came out. But the uh, the novelty of kind of driving around an open world Springfield is still great. Mm. And they've got everything from like Main Street covered in potholes to uh, the giant on fire uh, toothpick skyscraper. And <laughs> um, they, they go surprisingly deep on some of the references. It's not just you go to Moe's. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, uh, it's great. It's, it's very funny, very, very fun. It looks great. It holds up really well with modern eyes. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying that. The, the gameplay is kind of basic. All the missions are kind of just drive here, win a race, run this person off the road. But uh, I, I'm enjoying that quite a bit. So those are still uh, those are those are on the old the old Twitcheroo uh, currently. Um, yeah, that's all I've that's all I played this or this past two weeks rather. Well, speaking of hit and run, 
Go on. I was in a little establishment while I was doing my shopping called CX Charles Montgomery Shearns. <laughs> Lovely. And yeah. they had Great. they had a copy of Simpsons Hit and Run on the GameCube. Oh yes. Yeah, fifty Europeans. <laughs> So, if I didn't already own a copy, maybe I would have looked at it. But also, what they had was on GameCube, also, because they had a little GameCube section Pokemon Box Ruby and Sapphire. So, to the best of my memory, this was like, wasn't a game like Pokemon Stadium or anything to that nature, but it was just like a storage thing where you could see your Pokemon in 3D. Uh, oh but yeah, I, yeah. But right. I believe it's quite a, a, a rarity. Uh, one hundred and twenty-five euro, right? For what was obviously a counterfeit version. <gasps> what? It had, oh. it had the 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 in the in what's it called the inset the little inner sleeve thing. Uh, just photocopied. Like, wow, horrible quality. And that's the thing, right? Is that yeah, it's a rarity. And if even if the game was a uh, a bootleg like okay the to to play it it's not it's not really a game but to play it is obviously right but the point of the price of it is surely the rarity and the, the rarity and value. The like yeah. as a collectible it has no value because it's it's uh a bootleg i i, yeah. I almost i almost went up to say it like and i was like actually fuck cx is not a an establishment that i have any respect for. yeah <laughs> yeah i mean yeah i've i've noticed that a lot as well it's like um i've seen copies of hit and run for 40 50 quid I, for the record like that is them just doing it just to do it like the, the, that game i got i got that online for like 20 quid it's like and that's that's supposedly where the gouging is supposed to happen but i got it at a much better value and, and like Whenever I'm I'm buying any because like, I'm I'm trying to build back up a PS2 collection. When I always like try and find a well reviewed seller, and I want I want the fucking I want the non platinum version. All right, I want an original release. I want the box art. I want the manual. I want them all in good condition. You go into CEX, yeah, they've got like like they've, the CEX in me. They still they've had one copy there, and I I will never buy it now if they drop it to one penny. They've got a version of Spider Man Two for the PS2, which like was like the best regarded Spider Man game until the PS4 one came out. And it's like again, it's either photocopied or someone has spilled multiple liquids on this this cover art and a dog chewed the fucking box and i'm just like it's like 40 quid because it's a well-regarded game i'm like i will never lower myself to this it's yeah. just outrageous and i know i can understand gamecube games to be a bit of a a, a premium because they're hard everyone, to come and their, everyone and their mother had a ps2 mm. and you know gamecube has obviously suddenly become this thing where because of nintendo's weird business practices you have games that are just stuck on gamecube and if you want to play them you're good. It's going to cost you, you know. Um, but anyway, that was just a little anecdote. Uh, another one. I've been playing still Batman. I have uh, 25% overall completion, doing all my side questies and all that. Uh, I'm at the bit, I don't know if you remember, uh, it's a game from seven years ago, but I'm at the bit where you go up into the blimps and yes. get, uh, mm-hmm. uh, what's his name, Stag, and fight a lot of enemies up there. So that's 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 where I am in it. Yeah. But I, I think I'm about quarter of the way through very much enjoying as i said but what i really enjoyed was i have my xbox series s here and i was considering will i take that with me when i go Mm. for the weekend up to natty's parents house it's very portable 
knowing they have, it is very portable, definitely compared to that fucking PS5 I don't have. <laughs> yeah. um, they have an Xbox One up there. So I was thinking, okay, since we're only going for basically only, like, we went Friday night, we were there all Saturday, came back this morning. So, okay, we're only going for a little while. So what I might do is just do a test, uh, see if, because I, I know Batman Arkham Knight is available on Xbox One. So I can log on to my account, download it there, and see how the save function works mm. to, like, carry over my data. So I did some Googling before, while I was still here, because uh, I know that the experience on PlayStation was, if you had PS Plus, you could go into the settings of the console, upload your storage hard drive, save data to the cloud, mm-hmm. which would do automatically, but I would do just to be sure. Go to the other PlayStation in the other house, go to the settings, download manually the cloud data. Yeah, go into the settings and scroll down all their horrible, shitty PS4 menus that take forever to load. <laughs> That's the one. Um, so I knew how it worked. I'd done it a few times. For Xbox, I've never done it. So I looked up online, you know, how do you, first of all, manually upload your cloud saves and then how do you get them on the other side? And the only answer I could find was, uh, don't worry about it. Xbox just does it for you. There's no way to manually do it. It's done already. So I'm like, okay. Um, went to the other Xbox, logged on with my account, Game Pass, no problem, download Batman, off you go. Still haven't done anything cloud saved related. Haven't got my saves on this. I've never used this Xbox One before. This is a bra- for the first time ever. I'm using this other console. Logged on with my account, easy as anything. Microsoft account. Downloaded the game, opened the game, and it goes, "Oh, you're Paul Griffin. Here's your yeah. account. Uh, let's just a second. We're just gonna check if you have any saves. Oh, yeah, here you go. Here's your save. All right, play. Easy as that. Loved it. What? Wow. That's how it should be. And Sony can learn a lesson from that, to be honest. I don't know if, if they improve that at all for PS5. No. My experience with the PS5 user interface is that no would be the answer. It is It is um, very bad. Yeah. I, the very limited exposure I've had to the PS5, I, I don't like their user interface at all, or how historically their user They've interface They've made, like, basically zero improvements <laughs> over it. And all the, like, neat features the PS5 does have are... are kind of obfuscated by their horrible um uh design um your your button shortcuts are needlessly different from the ps4 as well it's it's very bad no the xbox is phenomenal at that stuff i even uh i even did it an, an extra step i i had uh before i got my series s i was playing game pass on pc yeah and i remember i booted up when i got my series s i booted up spirit fairer on the S and it like exactly like you said it I signed into my account the save was just there um uh that was great and then got completely forgot about it weeks later I wanted to test out the game pass streaming thing the the game pass ultimate uh little streaming to your android phone thing and I gave it a little spin and I said okay well I'll pick spirit fair because that's that's not a it's a management game so you don't really need you know, twitchy controls. So I'll, I'll boot up Spirit Fair. And it also, again, this original save that I started two years ago on PC, brought over last year onto Series S, and then brought onto the cloud streaming version of my phone, it still pulled the most recent up-to-date save from the Series S onto the phone streaming version like it was nothing. It was just there. Yeah. Like, it's like, it is, it works in a weird future tech way that so much of this other stuff does not work <laughs> at all, you know. And I, I know that we're, like, what is it, a year and a half almost into the life cycle of these consoles, but we're, we're like, marveling now at these features. But even when I came back home then and, and booted up uh, Arkham Knight, I had the quick 
restart option, whatever it's called. And it did just say, you know, hold, hang on, we've noticed you've your save data has changed since you last logged on here. Uh, we're just going to restart the app so that you have your cloud save. So there's no fuck up where you you start now a, a new branch of your save and it gets complicated. No, we'll just get we'll, we'll sort that out for you before you start playing. Don't worry. And it, because of the uh, solid state drive, it was like 15 seconds. I was in the game again. Yeah. Um, which is the, <laughs> the other thing I noticed we're playing on uh, Xbox one. one. Yeah. Fucking load screens. I was like, oh my god, I forgot about these. Um, yeah. I had played up to this point. Whenever I'm in like six hours of Batman with not a single load screen. And now playing Xbox One, I was like, oh, yeah, that's just how it used to be. I, I think I, I've said it before, but the, the, the load stuff and the SSD stuff is like the most boring stuff you can say to sell a person on these new consoles. But once you've seen it, you cannot go yeah. back to an old an old system. Yeah, um, you go back and go, oh, God, I forgot. Yeah. Existed. Um, I was watching um, a, a Digital Foundry comparison of those new versions of GTA, um, yeah. which I would have been curious about if they were free, but they're not, so I'm not bothering um but they did compare the boot up times on like the ps5 versus the ps4 and it was like 20 seconds versus two minutes um which it's crazy to think we we did that for gta um you know but uh yeah that is the uh that is the gaming of for the week any any updated arkham knight uh, uh takes or stances or anything like that no i i, I really like it um i know i'm seven years too late with my with my hot take that the the Batmobile and especially well, the tank yeah. is, is relied on far too heavily um, to the point that it's like shoehorned in at points. But uh, no, I, I think I, I, the difference between this and city I've said before is I think I was very unfair to city in that I was just not in the mindset to really play that kind of game. I was burned mm. out a little bit on open world games and I appreciate now playing night that actually Gotham is not even that big. It's quite a small area that I should have given Arkham city a bit more leeway in that respect. Um, but no, I'm really enjoying it. I like all the characters. I like the uh, the way Batman plays. The I as I said, I think the stealth aspect of it has been slightly bettered by Spider Man. Mm. Um, it's still like doing the hang from the gargoyle, but you can't hang from anything that's not a gargoyle. Feels a bit clunky by Spider Man yeah. standards. Yeah, but uh, no, I'm very much into it. I just you know, not everything has to be the Batmobile. I guess is the the takeaway from it. But no, it's 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 definitely yeah. Uh, a fun, strong Batman game. And I have worked out my, my list now. It's going to go Batman, Tunic next. Okay. Guardians of the Galax. Beautiful, yeah. And maybe we're going to have some Elden Ring on there. Maybe. Well. We'll think about it. Okay. While I, let me play my free games first. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I was saying to Natty um, today, since I got the Xbox in August, I've bought two games. And one was Pokemon Legends, yeah, which I, I, I split with Natty. We did a 50-50 on that. And the other was FIFA when it came out. They're the only games I bought. Have you played much Pokemon since you last talked about it? No. Um, I've been more in the Batman wheelhouse, but it's still on the periphery. I, but I think Pokemon will be more my my uh, playing playing during the, the Brentford West Ham game that's on right. TV. Uh, I, I, you know, I like to sit in front of the TV while there's, while there's football on that I kind of half watch, and I'll play the Switch downstairs. I think the big the big TV here upstairs with the uh, the Xbox that's that's gonna keep separate to that. I think. Um, so that's it. I don't have much more to say about it. But I'm still tipping away at it. Um, okay. 
I'm very I'm very excited to play Tunic as well. I do want to play that. It looks quite good. Yes. Yeah. We'll see. Apparently it's very difficult, which I don't mind because no. I liked the difficult uh the level of difficulty in, in Metroid. Uh, I will say though, Batman I'm not playing on the hardest difficulty, let's just say that. No. Like what, what I like about Batman is the fucking beating up 900 people yeah. at a time. I don't want to be killed repeatedly, so I, 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 I am playing Batman on easy, but don't judge me for it. That's just how I like to play it. I, that, I, that kind I, of game, yeah. I don't need it to be very difficult. You know, I just want to, that game to be satisfying to me. Whereas Tunic, if it's difficult, that's fine. I, I'll be happy with that. I, I kind of I kind of want that out of like those modern Wolfenstein games as well. It's like I just want the visceral, yeah. you know, all that. Anyway, uh, that is the video games for this week. Uh, what are the emails? Like, gents, who is an email? Yeah, I got a few here. Let me go through. One of them I should have read out on the last show we did, Barry, and I forgot. I think okay. we got we got so caught up in uh, tone. What's it called? Oh, uh, Portman Tony Khan. Portman Tony Khan. That I I forgot I had an email, and I think I even referenced the email on the show. I then never read it. Uh, it's from Jamie. So Jamie, I'm very sorry. Uh, this is an email he sent to me on the 8th of March that I'm reading out on the 27th of March. I think that might be the longest <laughs> uh, delay we've ever had in reading out an email. Yeah, it's about long films. He says, following on from the film length discussion, uh, I'm surprised the big studios allow their big budget movies to get into the two and a half to three hour zone when you think they would prefer 90 minute runtime so they can squeeze in more screenings. That's an interesting way of thinking mm. about it. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that that trend will surely catch on at some stage. I mean, I'd add to that as well. You would think that it would cost more money to produce a longer film than a shorter one. Well, you got more there, haven't you? So. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, well, you know, your 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 actors are getting paid whatever they get paid, so I guess that's not going to change. But yeah. from a production point of view, paying the the catering people and the camera people and the like of that. Um, interesting though. Yeah, it is strange that the the studios of the biggest grossing movies. Your your Avengers and the like are yeah for them to be three hours long seems like a a weird approach but obviously it's worked given how much money they made. Yep. Um. He continues. Oddly enough, all the long, all the long lads I've watched. That's like how I'd phrase that. All the long lads I've watched this year, including Seven Samurai, The Batman, Drive My Car, Das Boot. Uh, whenever I hear see Das Boot, I always I think of Das Boot from The Simpsons, the porno. Uh, Andrei Rublev and Nightmare Alley have all been very good to excellent. I would agree 100% at that point. Uh, although of the ones I've watched this year, it's only Batman, Drive My Car, and Nightmare Alley, and I thought they were all very good as well. So there you go. Yeah, and I'll throw, I'll throw West Side Story as well, which is 156 minutes, which is very long too. Mm. And that was also very good. Uh, and then we have an email from our good friend, Will. Subject... Portman Tony Khan. Oh, what's that? So, Joe, I don't know, Joe, if you listened to last week's podcast. I haven't yet. But there was some very important developments. So, I think. Um, <laughs> is that what you call it? Yeah. I think Will is intending this to be a, a, a split game, but I think based on the circumstances. I think Barry played it with me, obviously last week. As mm. a, as a, it was I was the the quizzy Barry's quizmaster. I think I'll I'll just give this to Joe for his first experience, and then Joe, you'll obviously get an email for next week for Barry. Um, so Portman Tony Khan, Joe is is uh, 
two weeks. I know we're doing. Hey, part- listen, I left for a week and needed Dwayne Johnson face busters. <laughs> he was waiting. He was waiting months for that. <laughs> uh, so, Portman Tony Khan is a game in which the aim of the game is to guess uh, the wrestler and an object as a portmanteau. So, we had a, a, last week it was wrestlers and types of cheese. So, I think we had. Um, Brie Bella. Ed- Brie Bella, Edam Cole. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ricotta Shay. R- Ricotta Shay. Okay. Oh. So the answer, Joe, will be a, a portmanteau of a wrestler and, yeah. and then I will, I will let you know what this week's theme will be, okay? Uh, the rules for those who missed its astonishing debut last week, is how Will puts it, um, are as follows. So, Joe, I will give you a clue for a wrestler, and you'll have a guess, right? If you don't get the right answer, I will then give you a clue for, in this case, this week, a beer, a kind of beer. So we're doing wrestler beers this week. So you get a clue for the wrestler. If you don't get it, you get a clue for the beer. And if you give me the, the correct portman, Tony Khan, you will get a point. Uh, I will say last week, Joe, I got two of the three correct. And then there was some contention on the third one because I, I offhandedly threw out the correct answer without realizing it was the correct answer. At the time, Barry's internet cut out. It is on the recording, so you can go back and check it. So I got two and a half points, let's say. So we'll see how you can do. So your first portman, Tony Khan, Joe. The first clue is I was a former UFC fighter. So I just have to guess the wrestler, not. I'm guessing the no, portmanteau. I think the whole portmanteau. You, you need to guess the portmanteau. You need to guess the, portmanteau. Portmanteau. To guess the full thing. Just yeah. from the wrestler, okay. Uh, maybe this is a spoiler. Is Are we looking for types of beer or like brands or both? Um. <laughs> You're asking the wrong person. Okay, bro. okay. Let me let me put it let me put it to this way. Without without I believe it's brands. It's brands. Okay, so it's so it, it's like uh Rick Coors Shay, not like uh Bradshaw and Farouk the IPA. <laughs> oh that is a tremendous one, a but yes. <laughs> okay, so brands brands of beer. That is so good. Yeah, they're, they're they're brands. Now unfortunately as the non drinker, I get the beer ones, so one of one of them at least uh, I don't, I don't really know the beer. But. That's fine. That's fine. I didn't know too many cheeses, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> um, I, can only, I can only think of, like, who's been in the USA above Brock? Like, mm. uh, can I pass? You can pass, and I'll give you a a, a beer clue. Need a beer clue. Okay, beer clue number one. <laughs> I am a Dutch pale lager. Heineken <laughs> Shamrock. That's the correct. What was this? What was this? Heineken Shamrock. Ah! <laughs> That's very good. Very good. Yeah. Well done, Joe. So the clues would have been: I was a former <laughs> UFC fighter. I am a Dutch pale lager. <laughs> I wrestled during the Attitude Era. Okay. 
I, I was a sponsor of the Champions League. What, <laughs> <laughs> Ken Shamrock? I, yeah, I, I was going to say, I love reading the list as if it's one cohesive <laughs> list. So. I defeated Owen Hart in a Lion's Den match, <laughs> and I, I am sold in a green bottle with a red star. <laughs> okay, number two. Clue number one. I am a Brit wrestler. Um... Oh, it could be. Oh, hang on. Wait. Will he get it in one? Hmm. No pressure. I did get one in one last week, and I almost got two in one. I got the wrong Edam. I said Edam Page. Oh yes, yeah, I'm an EW wrestler. Uh, um. Oh. Butchweiser. <laughs> That's very good. It's good, but it's not correct. Oh. All right, next up. I was founded in 1759. 1759. It's a very old beer. It was a very old beer. <laughs> Oh, I think I think I might know this. Oh my god! Seventeen. Thinking of like Stella. Is that Stella? Stella. Who could it be? This is a great one. This is a great one. I know what this is. Uh, this is testing the limits of a portmanteau, I'll say that much. <laughs> no, go on, another one. No. All right, clue number three. <laughs> <laughs> I am a close personal friend of Paul Griffin. <laughs> So good. So good. Oh, God. My eyes. <laughs> I love that Barry, knowing the answer, gets the context of what that clue means. Well, yeah. It's yeah. even funnier. Yeah. Um, it makes it even funnier. <laughs> my God. Tears in my eyes. Now, give Ooh. us the next one. Come on. Give us the next one. Next one. Number four. I am a stout. Oh. <laughs> Nigel McGuinness. Nigel McGuinness is the correct. Oh, great. Great stuff. I'll say, when, when I saw, when I was reading through the email when I first got it, I saw beer. First one that came into my head was Nigel. <laughs> so I wasn't surprised to see that one come up. Uh, and number three, clue number one, I'm currently signed to All Elite Wrestling. Hmm. Um, 
I'll say this is another great one for just reading it as one list. Like clue number two is very funny. I've, I've, I've thought of a good one, but I don't know if it's the oh. answer. Oh, I think you guess anyway. Ward Lovenbrow. <laughs> oh, it's not correct. Yeah, it's, that good, good. That works. All right, I'm currently signed to AW. I am traditionally drank with a lime. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, traditionally drank with a lime. Oh no, that he's not signed to AW. Hmm. Mm. No, go on. Okay, number three. I had a winless record of zero wins and thirty four defeats. Oh, uh, Fuego del Sol. Fuego del Sol is correct, yeah. See, I was was also thinking of Corona, and I was thinking Matt Corona. (laughs) He's not there anymore. Uh, The other clues were, uh, I'm brewed in Mexico. Mm. (laughs) My name means fire. And I am refreshing and light. That could be the wrestler as well. He says, thanks, lads. Final Portman Tony Khan next week with Joe as Quizmaster. Excellent. Excellent. That was good. That was good. Very good. Thanks for the emails, guys. That's all I have in the mailbox. Beautiful. Well, with that said, we'll segue into uh, the wrestling off. And speaking of all you have in your mailbox... It's the end of Triple H's in-ring wrestling career. I uh, didn't make that segue work, but that was the biggest story of <laughs> of this week. He went yeah. on Stephen A. Smith's not podcast. It was like a TV, wasn't it? He was on a TV show yeah. uh, in the states to give an update on his health. That update was that he had uh, some sort of like pneumonia-related illness that then agitated his heart, I believe, and he was in a coma, and they had to have a very serious procedure where he didn't know if he was going to live. He did live, of course, uh, thankfully, uh, but the upshot of all of that, of course, was that his career, his in-ring career is now over. So um, uh, that was the update there for Triple H. Obviously, lots of uh, tributes pouring out and this, that, and the other. Um I think the legacy of Triple H is far, far more complicated than a a, a single tweet or a single segment on this show mm-hmm. uh, could really do justice to. Um, uh, I think people have had very passionate reactions on all sides um, uh, since this news came out. I, I don't know. I, I think, honestly, I, I, I think you can't deny his peaks. But uh, I don't. I mean, I've. I can't say I've enjoyed most of his career. To be perfectly honest, no. I think he had a really good, what, two years maybe from the summer of '99 to his first quad injury in 2001. Mm. Um, and then since then it was a little bit, not not even up and down. It was mostly down with a few 
you know, a few bright spots. I'd, I'd mentioned the uh, the Sean match at SummerSlam 02. Mm. Um, certainly nothing in 2003. Um, not much in 2004. Maybe the main event for SMA 20 with um, Benoit and Michaels. Batista in 2005, but that was more so the, the making of Batista than the actual quality of the matches. Yeah, yeah, but they were but they were say, great in that regard. They were good, but and then I would say everything post that was was more or less a dud. I think that's realistically when he he might should call to the day. <laughs> Certainly, everything post the reformation of the X was was more or less a stinker, and his own insecurities about his legacy, I think, played into that. Because um, it, it seemed like he felt like every match had to be a drawn out. 29 minute classic when yeah. when he was past capable like he had obviously his um his quad injuries in in 2001 and 2000 early 2007 Seven, yeah and then he had the groin injury in 2003 when he just got like fucking roided out of his mind in 2003 and he was big enough already but in 2003 he was just like fuck match quality i'm just gonna get as big as i can be and like tore his groin immediately he had to wear those shorts uh in the, that year SummerSlam. um yeah, and I, I mean, I think that two-year period between 1999 and 2001 are, are, are kind of underplayed for how good he was. I think he was, like, really up there with the best of the best during those two years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, classic match after classic match. But, you know, injuries took a toll on him. Obviously, he wanted to He put out his little How to Get Real Buff book, and that, that was obviously playing in his mind that he had to look a certain way as well at kind of the expense of his, his in, in-ring career, ultimately. Um. And yeah, I don't know. He he just got stuck in a in a formula that didn't work in the context of modern wrestling, and his matches were just never very exciting. And I I've, I saw some tweets, but when I think of like the latter years of Triple H's legacy, it's the fucking tag match in Saudi Arabia. It's uh, you you are in the main event. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. The oft referenced you are in the main event. Um, Batista match. Yeah, just. You know, I, I I would struggle to pick out a good Triple H segment. I would say the last thing of his that I enjoyed at all that he was involved in was, was like the, the Undertaker Hell in Cell at WrestleMania 28. And even that I don't think holds a candle to the the Hell in Cell with Cactus and the Royal Rumble match with Cactus, the um, uh, early stages of the McMahon-Hemsley uh, faction or whatever it was called. Um, the matches with The Rock, the Iron Man with The Rock, the triple threat with Angle and Rock at SummerSlam that year. Mm. Um, you know, even in the early 2001, the the three stages of Hell match with Austin, a uh, lot of good stuff in, in those two years. But that was that that was kind of it. It was kind of a brief explosion of really good stuff. And I wouldn't even say that he was like carried to that. I think he was consistently very no, good. no, he was. And, yeah. and his promos at that stage were ex- of an excellent quality as well. It's just that everything after that was just fell off a cliff. Right. Remember when he had a really good match with uh, Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania? At WrestleMania 30. Yeah. And then he said, well, I could have that kind of technical match all the time, but, you know, it's not what we do. Here. <laughs> I was like, yeah, why don't you do that instead of all the boring shit you do every other WrestleMania then? Yeah. yeah. Match where you had to beat Sting the next year, you know? Uh, yeah. I think my favorite Triple H moment was when he beat Sting and now Sting is still having great matches and Triple H is retired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's my favorite bit. 
Um, yeah. yeah. Obviously, and then like he was no, he 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 was. Uh, I mean, I think I said when the news broke that like that everyone obviously fondly remembers the Royal Rumble match with Foley. Like that is like the pinnacle of what Mm -hmm. great WWF can be and WWE can be on their best year, and that was maybe their best match on their best year. Um, uh, and he was there for that. I mean, he was he was a huge. It's funny because he was a huge part of their success that year. But I think so much of the the absolute the depths of the of the mid two thousands where he was on top is just like when everyone else left and they had this new crop of guys who weren't quite ready yet. So he had to be the guy, and that was just the pits. I mean, it was just mm-hmm. it really was. Um, but yeah, and obviously, like the whole second half of his career, he has this whole other thing is we could even spend the whole show talking about like NXT and what NXT means or meant and. The the downfall of NXT <laughs> doesn't mean anything anymore. Doesn't mean yeah. anything anymore. It's not even his. I mean, uh, like I said, you could do a whole podcast on the 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 symbolism of of you know Vince Vince's you know this is the ultimate proud papa moment. Sending I'm sending you to kill AEW. You're gonna go head to head and you're gonna demolish them. You're gonna pedigree them. You're gonna put your foot on Tony Khan's broken, beaten chest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and send them packing off Wednesday nights, and obviously that did not happen. Um, and that was—I mean, that—I mean, it doesn't people can can be in denial about it, but that was the beginning of the end of that version of NXT. Um, uh, I don't—I don't think NXT 2.0 happens if they if they beat AEW. Um, uh, so yeah, but anyway, uh, yeah. Uh, one thing I am curious about is I—I I feel like. I don't think they're going to have him out there doing anything this WrestleMania weekend because it's like the Undertaker's weekend. Um, uh, I don't mm. feel like they'd have Triple H. Obviously, he'll um, probably do Hall of Fame next year. I guess that would make sense. But like, it's kind of awkwardly timed because you would you would imagine there has to be a segment where Triple H comes out, and WrestleMania would be the right place to do it and and do the big. Mm. I mean, he's had a very he's had a career of self indulgent segments. He should have a, a farewell where he comes out and gives his speech. But like, yeah. would would they do that when they're going to have Undertaker talking for an hour after SmackDown um, uh, on Friday? Um, are they really going to have him come out then on maybe one of the Manias or maybe uh, uh, the Raw after Mania? Uh, I'm very curious. Nothing's been nothing's been said, obviously. So uh, yeah, yeah. I mean. Um, interestingly, you now have. Um, what if he comes out and beats Cody? <laughs> I mean that. I mean that would just be the ultimate swerve, you know. <laughs> Ironically, you had um, that that end of an era match at uh, WrestleMania 20, 28 where they all turned around and looked. Oh, we'll never see these boys in this setting again. They really should have all retired at that point because none of them did anything of any worth after that. It would have been it would have been great. I mean, like, what more could you've asked for? All they did was, I mean, like, even by by Undertaker's own admission on all those documentaries WWE did, just embarrassment after embarrassment, terrible matches, like never feeling satisfied with anything because he didn't end it at the right time. Sean, you know, Sean regrets that Saudi match so much. That money doesn't keep him warm at night so much as his yeah. legacy used to. And Triple H, I mean, mm-hmm. Triple H, yeah, Triple H had ten million bad matches in the second, in the in the in the sort of legend status of his career. 
uh, all the Roman stuff, all the terrible self-indulgent Roman stuff that didn't help Roman at all. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, that's a great point. The end of an era should have been the end of the era. It really should have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, we had AEW, two weeks of AEW. Uh, we had the great Texas show that Joe didn't get to go to. Um, uh, the cage match. Um, nothing, nothing really too revelatory to discuss. Uh, uh, no, they're 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 pulling the trigger on the Wardlow MJF. That's the direction they're going in. It looks like. But are they though? Because this week he said that I'll pay you to stay home thing. Um. So I wonder. I, I, you know, because he had a line in that promo that I think was almost too close to home, where he's like, he wants everyone to forget about him. I suppose that's kind of the thing is that if you do keep him home for like six months, there is a risk that they won't. Know, well, not that they won't know, but like they, they won't care when he comes back. I, I wonder how long they will play this. Um, I think he's definitely missing a few weeks of TV. I would say for certain. Um, MJF also said he would crucify a fat and just like Jesus Christ <laughs> one point in that promo, which was good. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was good. Maybe Wardlow will be yeah. in that crowd. Or yeah, yeah. The buy, old buy a, buy a ticket. The old buy a ticket thing. Up in the rafters, like Sting. Um. Yeah. Anything else? We had two weeks. Of Jeff Hardy being extremely popular. Yeah, they had a fun tornado match. The the eight man tag. Two, two, Where, it took, it took Jeff two weeks to jump off something backstage. Yeah. Sting didn't get to jump off something this time. It was Jeff. Well, Sting, Sting still, still did a top rope out to the floor dive. Uh, <laughs> he's just he's just like New Jack. He has to jump off something every week. Yeah. Um, William Regal and his little team still going. The the Blackpool Combat Club. Black, Blackpool Youth Club, yeah. Um, <laughs> it made me want, and this is just a little funny thing. I want to go through my um, Power Slam magazines because I want to see... The, the the all time funniest William Regal um, incident back in No Mercy two thousand six. I want to read the read the write up on that. Mm. Uh, that's when he accidentally flashed his uh, his little William oh. during a live during a live pay per view. Um, yeah. Um, so every time he comes on, I think, oh, I need to fucking look that thing off because that was very funny. Um, that's good. Uh, I like the direction they're going. Interesting that they haven't. They haven't quite added anyone yet. I like the Wheeler Yuta stuff they did the previous mm. week. Um, what else? I think I think they're going to avoid like just loading people in straight away. I'd say it'll probably be a slow burn. Um, they're building to a Yuta Trent match, which I say would probably be really good. Probably, yeah. Um, Yuta is, is quite great. Trent's been great since he's been back. Um, what do we make of the Jericho Appreciation Society? By the way. Um, I thought the first segment was really, really good, really funny. I, I I think it's refreshing after how how dragged out and done the inner circle was. And, I like that as a change of pace. And to be fair to Jericho, it's like he he did he t- he took a crop of of new guys with with the inner circle, and he did to a degree make them obviously. I mean, like proud and powerful aren't exactly like you know top stars, but they are you know. They're solid mid-card acts in the company now. And now this whole new era of Jericho, he's taking mo- another fresh crop. Well, Jake Hager as well. He's just along for the ride. He's got nothing. He's got literally no- nothing better to do. They, they, they must have gone into like contract negotiations. We'll, we'll let you stick with Jericho if you want to stay. And he's like, yeah, I'll stay. Sure, yeah. Like, that's that's great. Yeah. But, like, I mean, I think 
I think their AEW's fascination with 2.0 has surprised basically everyone. Um, uh, They're great, though. They, they are great. I mean, they've been great for years and years and years, but I, I honestly didn't expect them to get this much TV time and, and for yeah. AEW to get this I mean, much juice out of them. Matt Lee or Matt Menard, as he knows. What do I think of Big Daddy or some shit like that he's called? Uh, it's Daddy Magic. Daddy Magic, yeah. <laughs> God. It was just so good because you know it's the type of thing that winds people up. He's like, they're, they're not going to have shitty creative names. So it's Daddy Magic, Matt Menard. I'm going to use my real name, Chris Jericho. It was just like, you know, yeah. it was great. The thing is, though, I, I feel like they could have done the opposite play on that, given how sports entertainment he is. Yeah. is, is, is We're not using your fucking real names. We've got to give you your superstar names. That could have been the other spin because obviously Chris Jericho isn't his real name, mm. so that that would have made sense. Mm. Um, the only the, the only thing missing now, if they really want to be sports entertainment, is you rebrand Daniel Garcia as Daniel, <laughs> or just Garcia, even or just Garcia. <laughs> yeah, um, um, yeah, he's great. I mean, because it's like he's such a like fucking indie nerd side ring of honor the fucking yeah. like guy who used to wrestle on like beyond fucking and they have him like and they like he wrestles like fucking a young timothy thatcher and now he's like i'm a sports entertainer now it's just so it's goofy but so good but that's what jericho's always been good at is when when the steam runs out or something although he let it run out a long time ago with this with this one he changes it up to something new obviously got in the best shape of his fucking life yes um conversely one of the worst things going on at the moment is this the sammy guevara take hunting oh, deal. Uh, get it they come they came on the title yeah that's like they it's like they should have just said that They're like you won't guess what we did and then lambert goes, oh my god like, that's right i blew some commies out of my willy all on it how do you like that <laughs> I mean, it's just... Oh, God. Oh, my testes were emptied. Oh. Christ. Um, they, are, they are something else. Um, obviously, this isn't a, a, a knee-jerk reaction because we've been very critical of Sammy for how long? Since since he beat Mirror for the title, basically. That his character work is is leaving, leaving a lot to be desired. But he's, this isn't like... A fun babyface angle to oh you're wearing that title uh, lad shut me goo on it there brother <laughs> like it's, I thought it was I thought it was very very uh very juvenile very uh gross out humor very silly and also just like um, you like there's they were high fiving it's like yeah but you you well, here's what's more important you lost it so like you know yeah. Why are you acting like you got them? Yeah, it's it's one of those things. I wonder if they'll have the foresight to turn them heel soon because it's just, it's certainly not a babyface act. No, and Guevara has always had that problem that he he is not particularly likable as a as a character. He he's who was it? He spat in someone's face during a match just last week. Time. Yeah, two weeks ago even. He um he's very abrasive, very uh, but and not in a not in a like fucking kick-ass Goldberg. No. Just in like he's like a fucking brat. And Tay Conti is 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 has been quite likable as a babyface, but it just seems like she's taken on a lot of his character uh traits. She's very oh, like fucking bitch this and hold that. You know, and people people like that you don't you know have empathy for. You don't you don't want to ha- you don't want to hang out with Sammy Guevara because he's just so fucking annoying. Yeah. 
Mm. You know? And Dan Lambert, as as I've said, I think is is well past his uh, expiration date as a, a character that I care to see on TV. And they seem to want him on every week. He's always on. Uh not not for me. Not for me, this one, I'm afraid. Um they've 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 uh they've undone a lot of the good work they had done with the TNT, TNT title. It's uh it's really really a shame where it is at the moment. Yeah. That's a feud I, I do not care to watch. And like Scorpio Sky is not going to do the open challenge thing, so I wonder is this going to be one of those reigns where he doesn't wrestle for for months or weeks on end? Well, but the problem is that the title hasn't elevated Scorpio Sky. It feels like the title has been brought down to his level as yeah, opposed to the other way around. Totally, because prior to winning, he was a guy who was who would show up and have a match once every four months, and so he doesn't feel like a big deal. Like he's gone through a journey to win the title, even as a heel, it doesn't feel like he's had that journey. So yeah, feel earned. And so the title feels less important as a result. So that's where we are with it. Anyway, I haven't watched Rampage, so that's your AEW roundup. Uh, Ricky Starks versus Swerve was very good, as you might imagine. I don't doubt it. Um, Rampage, Rampage was was missable for the most part, but that that match was good. I think Rampage is just going to become a uh, watch when I have time, as opposed to you know. Saturday morning, get up, watch Rampage. Dynamite has retained that feeling of yes, importance. Yeah. I don't know what they're doing with Rampage. It doesn't feel like an extension of Dynamite. It feels like, as they'd say, it's, it's not quite obviously Velocity or anything like that, but it's... It's like a separate brand. It kind of is. Um, but not only that, but the matches, it's always the four people who are obviously going to win mm-hmm. against the other people. In this case, maybe Swerve, Ricky is... I, Having not seen it, that's one that maybe I, I wouldn't be so easily able to predict. But um, I don't know what what other matches are on it, but I would imagine something like uh, there's a Nia Jax match was promoted. Mm. I wonder if she's going to win that match after again that fucking horrendous segment with Thunder Rosa on uh, on Dynamite with Vicky Guerrero screaming and shrill voiced oh uh, going on. She's hard. You not you're not real Texas. Da, da, da. It's no, just so far past its sell-by date, you know, that act. Um, yeah. Like, I feel like with the women's division in particular, and this isn't a criticism about the segment they did particularly, but I feel like that's the that's the one segment where they haven't been so, what's the word for it, modern in their booking, I guess. Like, yeah. we've talked a lot about the Danielson-Moxley thing. Will they go the usual route, or will they take a surprising new route same with the cm punk mm. uh, mjf thing and it feels like with the women we're still in like 2015 with the way they're booked it's very by the numbers and now we're doing a uh we're doing a mexican who lives in texas isn't a real texan mm. deal like i don't know if it was like vicky guerrero just ad-libbing or i don't know the backstory to it but that felt like very of its time Whereas every a lot of not everything, but a lot of the stuff going on in AW feels fresh and modern, which is an issue because the women obviously don't have as much TV time as the men, so you almost want to make their stuff stand out more as opposed to it feeling more aggressive as it does. Mm. Uh, 
Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's Dynamite. Uh, next week's show looks really good, I think. Um, and Rampage as well. They've actually announced quite a few matches for Rampage. Um, uh, so I think both shows are looking pretty good uh, for next week. We did get the announcement of uh, the first the first Owen tournament uh, match is happening on Wednesday um, mm. with the Bunny, the head of the table, the quarter hour <laughs> goddess, um, uh, facing off against a, a debuting woman. Um, uh, so, uh, that will be, I don't know if that's going to be revealed during the week. They did also on Rampage, they were running down the stuff on Rampage and they're like, I don't know, and Tony Khan's going to have more matches to announce on the week on social media, which is kind of, I think they're trying to make it their thing. Like, you know, that they, you get some matches on TV and then some are announced on Twitter. So, uh, they announced a lot this week and then, the, and I, I assume the debuting woman won't be revealed until, um, until Wednesday, uh, but also they will, um, have more details on the Owen soon as well hmm. so and that's one thing i like about aw just quickly is they always seem to be in a a two block or two week block of content yes that always takes a step forward every show it never feels scattered together at the last minute it always feels like they're very in control of the block in which they operate i don't know how big or how small that block actually is but for what we can see as viewers it's like you know when you're watching a dynamite more or less What's on the next rampage? What's on the next dynamite? And maybe hint of what's on the following rampage. And that block goes forward. And I think that's that's a clever way of doing it. Yeah, and you you basically yeah, I, I would say you literally never lead a show without knowing at least one thing on the next show. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and as I said earlier, so like on this week's rampage, they were advertising stuff for dynamite and next week's rampage. Um, uh, so so that's fun. They're doing. I can't remember which show they're doing it on, but they're doing. The House of Black, who have had two excellent matches so far as, as a trios, they're doing them versus Fuego del Sol and Player Uno and Dos. And I'm like, that's going to be fucking great. Um, that's dynamite, I'm fairly sure. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we will talk about all of that uh, next week, as well as the Oscar fallout, of course. <laughs> Um, Can't wait for Coda to win Best Picture, uh, and then uh, you know all the usual guffs as well that you've come to expect. Yeah. Uh, myself and Paul will probably both have some tunic talk. Um, <laughs> I, I probably want a Batman beaten by then, but I'll get to. You it. never know. You never know. Um, I am. I'm. I will be firing up a little bit of tunic on Wednesday on the old Twitch, so uh, you can get a sampling on there. Um, yeah. So we'll be back with all of that and more. So thank you very much for listening, folks. Hope the weekend has treated you well, and uh, we will talk to you all next week. Until then, it's goodbye from me, Barry. It's goodbye from Paul. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Joe. Goodbye.